Blog Talk Radio. A week ago, as the Canes Nation met on Tuesday night for the weekly summit meeting we call Canes Sport Live, the football team was feeling down and out. Practice was lethargic. Neither coaches or players, as Mark Rick described it, really felt like being out there. It was the hangover from LSU. Well, Rick had to get everybody to buy into turning the page to the future over the next 24 hours, a future that extended far beyond Savannah State, an overmatched opponent that could offer little resistance to the Canes, even in their down-and-out state Saturday night. The new game proved to be an important first step. Every player on the Miami roster got a chance to play at Hard Rock Stadium the other night, And even though it was a glorified scrimmage, we got an opportunity to see what kind of potential Miami has if it only can put everything together. For this night, Miami had it all going. The Canes were flat balling. We balling, boy. Champions ring, America team. I love it when you come to the scene. All the way, the fast and lead the way. Everybody go remember the day. Ballers, boy, undefeated, boy. Got it on boy. Can't be stopped, boy. Eleven and old, boy. The show, boy. Here we go again. Big E champs again. Miami's back again. All fit. So what the deal? Move that ball down the field. To the left, to the right, touch down, now shout. Who let them kings out?
again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and I welcome you once again to Canesport Live. I hope everyone's feeling a little bit better than they were last week. Uh, should be. The Canes played very, very well on Saturday night. Obviously, the opponent was not that significant, but maybe after what happened in Dallas, that was kind of like what everybody needed. Just one big celebration of all the talent that they hope they have on this football team. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. We have over 100 open phone lines, as always. Plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. Let's get some more new callers in this week like we did last week. I thought that was great. Uh, same system. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, that puts you in the queue. We bring you in on the order that you land in the queue. And I'm going to give you a little teaser right now. Greg is not first tonight. How about that? Absolutely amazing. But as always, we ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. We'll address those as we move forward. Some good ones submitted as always. So Toledo is up next for Miami, a team that will certainly pose a better challenge for the Canes than Savannah State did. Uh, last year, you'll remember that the Rockets led Miami 16-10 at halftime before the Canes turned it on in the second half and won 52-30. And it uh, wouldn't be a great surprise if Toledo had some offensive success uh, this, this weekend. I think they put up, uh, I think I saw, what was it, 60 um, – in their opener, they put up, yeah, 66 points against VMI. That's what I thought it was. So uh, this is a team that's got a decent offense and can score some points. So wouldn't be surprised if they gave the Canes defense a little bit of a challenge this weekend. But I expect the Miami offense to overmatch their defense as well. And uh should be a fun game for those of you that are going to be able to make it up to Toledo this weekend. Um, you know, should be better than your typical uh, early season non-conference tilt that the Hurricanes are expected to win. I guess they're, I think I heard they're 10-point favorites, but uh, probably I'm sure everyone's hoping that they win a little more handily than that. One by 22 last year, so we'll see what happens on Saturday. But I don't think there's any question that they have the Hurricanes' attention for this game after what happened last year. I'm not sure how much Mark Rick likes seeing the best team in the MAC as a road game on Miami's schedule, but you know what? I think it's great because I know last week was fun for the players in terms of everybody getting a chance to play, but I think this game will be more significant in terms of getting the Canes ready for the rest of the season. And uh, we'll talk about that tonight and, and much more. I know Malik Rozier is again going to be a topic of conversation as he will again be Miami's starting quarterback this week. No surprise there. All the quarterbacks played Saturday. They all did well, as I think I predicted they would do. Uh, but I don't believe anybody saw anything out there on Saturday that would lead them to suggest that there, you know, that there's a change imminent in terms of starting quarterback. I think the situation is pretty much what I, I said it is. I, I don't think that Mark Rick entertains removing Malik Rozier as the starter unless Miami loses another ball game. And at that point, he'll evaluate where everybody else is. But uh, the good news is I think we saw all the kids are making progress. They all handled themselves very well. 
And I think that that's all you can ask for, you know, as you were watching that unfold. Now, John Rick's been working with Malik on some mechanical things in practice. When they were watching game tape on Sunday, for example, they took note of how perfect Rosier's passes were when he was well-balanced and his mechanics were right. Now, for that to happen, he obviously has to have a pocket, and he has to be able to set his feet in the pocket. And that didn't happen very often in Dallas. And that contributed a lot to the erratic play that Rozier brought to the stadium that night. And uh, so in the eyes of the coaches, unlike a lot of segments of the fan base, they didn't blame that entire thing on Malik Rozier. And uh, when, he, when he has a pocket like he's supposed to have, they see a quarterback that can step up and deliver balls like what he did the other night to Jeff Thomas, which was obviously a perfect pass. And that's what they see from him in practice. And that's what they're hoping to see more of on game day as the pass protection hopefully continues to improve. The running backs get better integrated and, and keep progressing week to week and do a better job in that area of the game. So uh, when Malik loses that balance that we're talking about, that's when his accuracy gets off. So that's something that they're focusing on a lot in practice this week, just to give you a little inside glimpse of what's going on on Green Tree. Former Canes offensive lineman, Dr. Claude Jones will be our guest along with the answer man, Bruce Warner, in tonight's Sicilian Oven point-counterpoint segment. We'll get to that in the 9 o'clock hour. But the, um, the development of the offensive line is going to be a big topic of that conversation. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to hear Claude's viewpoint on just where Miami's offensive line is, how they're developing, how difficult it is to develop young kids when they come in the program. I think he could give us some really good insight in that regard. So look, looking forward uh, to talking more with Claude about that. I mean, let's face it, the line has struggled a bit so far this season in run blocking. They had just 83 yards rushing against LSU, averaging 2.4 yards a carry. That's not good enough. And that contributed greatly to how badly the Canes were beaten that night. And then in the first half Saturday against Savannah State, Miami averaged just 2.4 yards per carry again. They had 60 yards on 24 carries in the first half of that ball game. Kind of stunning. And this was against a defense that surrendered 285 yards and 5.3 yards a carry to Alabama-Birmingham the week before. Now, Miami's final numbers, 252 yards on 37 carries, obviously represented quite well. Uh, But the Tigers were worn out in the second half. Uh, you saw Lorenzo Lingard make his introduction to the Canes nation in a big time way. I think it's up to the Hurricanes to get a little bit better moving people at the line of scrimmage so that they do better in this area in the future. And I'm looking forward to seeing, like I said, what Dr. Claude Jones has to say about it later this evening. All right. So there's so much on the table to discuss tonight. So let's go get right to your calls. The number 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. And let's go out for the first call tonight to the 904. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? Hey, Gary. What's going on? Who's this? Uh, this 240 from the message board, man. Hey, what's up, 240? Well, you did t- Tell me the truth. You made it a point to beat Greg to the punch tonight, didn't you? 
Man, I just wanted to speak. You know, I wouldn't anticipate it because I thought Greg had this thing going that he just just beat everybody. But then again, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm just excited about Miami football, and you know, I do understand that you know we beat a Savannah State team seven to seven to zero, but I think we did what what was necessary. Hold the team to three first downs. Hold the team that's not worthy. You know, to score a touchdown. Hold the team that's not worthy. To, to score three points and hold it and just whoop a team. Now, I am disappointed at the offensive line, but I am looking up at Nestor Savella. One of the things that I've seen in this, this game that he's just a dominant football player, and I do understand that they promoted um, our running back, but it's another player that needs to be promoted, and that's Savella. Because I'm learning something about this team that we get Ooh. ready to play Saturday. Savella, you're talking about, right? Yeah, Nestor. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the deep, yeah, exactly. And the team that we're playing Saturday, I was watching film on them in the championship game that they played versus uh, uh, Appalachian State. And what I've seen Appalachian State do to this team is, is, is run a 3-4. And they got pressure on this particular quarterback, uh, Woodside, thing that we need to do more, I believe. And, and I hope that our defensive coordinator understands that you don't have to come at teams that's how we, we got what Saturday. You know, sometimes, you know, um, on LSU, just, you know, they you know they bought four, but they did it from a different area. But they was getting pressure with just three defensive tackles. This Miami team, Terry, we can get pressure on the quarterback with, with three good defensive tackles. But, but you know, I, I do understand our concept of 4-3. But by the same time, I'm proud of Nestor Severo. And John Ford did pretty well, you know, he didn't necessarily get pressure because they were trying to get the football at the quarterback's hand. But I like the way John Ford held his own in this particular game as well. But also the line, I'm going to stay disappointed at, at, at these guys. Let's just run a double tight and get these guys used to blocking. Because I don't think that they're used to blocking in a way that's making them tough. You know, I think that they're finesse blockers, zone blockers, sort of to speak, more so than, than, than pounders of what we used to be as a minor football team. What you think about that, Gary? All right, look, uh, you brought up a few things. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think they are a finesse offensive line right now. I-, I also think that you have one guy who is starting at a position that he started at before this season, and that's a big deal. And I, I think that there's a lot of thinking going on out there and a lot of, a, a lot of guys you know, focusing on doing the right thing, and they're not really cutting it loose just yet. i got to believe – that as the season goes on, they're going to be a better run-blocking offensive line than what they've shown so far this season. So um, that's my thought on that. And, you know, we'll talk more about offensive line as the night goes on. Now, the thing you mentioned about Nesta Silvera, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he knocked the, the, the guy in, in the blocking wedge for the punt. They're losing by, I think at that point, it was 63 points. Uh you know, they're mailing it in at that point. They're beaten up. They're tired. Uh, you know, they've had enough. They, 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 they were thrown to the wolves by their athletic department for, for money. They were, you know, let, let's, let's be honest. You know, the kids were sent out there to get beat up so that their school can afford a few things. And, you know, you can have a whole other debate about that in college football. But those kids were not engaged at, at that point in the game. And, yeah, Nesta went in there and beat the crap out of the kid and blocked it and pushed him back into the punter. Okay, he, he's he's a he's a bad dude, no question about it. The thing, the thing that 
that I don't think correlates, and I do feel good about his potential as a player, just like you do, but I don't think that correlates into him necessarily being ready to go out there and, you know, be an be a, a every down defensive tackle at this stage of his freshman year. Now, you know, and, and know what he's supposed to do on every play and not have busts and things like that. Now, I do think he got the attention of the coaches. I think you're going to see him get more playing time as the weeks go by. And how he does with that playing time will determine how much he gets going forward in the next week and the next week. They need somebody to step up at defensive tackle. I, I don't – I mean, I have not personally been overly impressed by what I've seen from Bethel. I'm not imp- overly impressed by what I've seen from Ford. And I'm not overly impressed by what I've seen from Tito Odenigbo. Uh, you know, they're all serviceable guys. They're rotation guys, I guess. But they don't bring to the table what Nesta Silvera can bring to the table once he gets it and once he knows what exactly. he's doing – and, and, you know, so I wouldn't assume he's at that point because he knocked the crap out of the kid in the blocking wedge who was, like, half oh, no, asleep. He, no, no, he's not at that point, Gary. And, yeah. and I'm not just talking about, you know, that, that particular play. It's just a certain kind of dog that Nesta has. When oh, he's he got dogs. And, and it's just like you said, I'm not saying that he's ready to be integrated within this 4-3, but what I'm saying that certain schemes, you know, one or two or three schemes that we run, I think that he should play that in that 3-4 scheme we run. I think that he should play that nose type of position because it's just something about this kid that when you see him play, you know, he, he, you know, he's there to the foot. Well, you know, if you're playing with one – It's a lot of freshmen. If you're playing with one defensive tackle right now, if you're playing with one defensive tackle, it's going to be Gerald Willis. Right. I mean, let's be honest. So put him, put him at defensive end. I mean, I mean, he's gonna collapse because that's what the three four is all about anyway, collapsing everything. And then you got your your hunters coming from the ends. And so if we can just get that collapse in this proper context, then we can really do something. But I know that's not our defense. But by the same time, I believe that we have just enough to get us to four and one. Well, before we see Florida State. I believe that we have just enough on defense. And, and, and this this one of the things about Miami. Miami got to get back to winning with defense. You know, it's just like years ago when we played Arizona. We won that game 10-9. to 9. You know, we we weren't doing good on offense. But we know how to play defense as, as well. Sometimes we get it confused. Miami is a defensive program that, you know, yes, we do have great offensive players to come through. But we got to get back to winning with defense more so looking for offense to carry us through. And 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 that's just where I'm trying to trying to, to more so parallel things, you know, with the University of Miami. Where is this great defense that, that we're used to having? And I'm and, and, and I believe that when we get back to this defensive thing, you know, that's where Miami will be back to truly where we need to be. Amen. I thank you, Gary. Oh, thanks for calling. Thanks for thanks for being part of the show and getting us started. Great call. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We're not to Greg yet. We're in going to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Good, Greg. Good, Gary. How are you? Wow. You had been talking about Greg. I just got 
My name's confused. This is Adam. What's up, Adam? How you doing this evening? Good. I'm, I'm impressed, man. A couple of you guys got in early tonight and, and beat Greg to the punch. Yeah. I don't remember that happening more than maybe once the whole year last year. No, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, it was a feel-good victory on Saturday, just enough to see that we might have some potential. And I, I look on the bright side. I mean, FSU almost, so we're in a better place than they are. Yeah, did, did, I don't know if you did, you did. You have a chance to watch that game? That was something. That was something else, well, man. Well, no, I, I watched the I watched the highlights, but I was able to get the Miami game on my TV through the watch ESPN thing. I was so able to watch able to most of the fourth quarter, and, I, and I'll tell you what, the, that Sanford coach was doing a great job, but he made yeah. a massive mistake in the fourth quarter, and he called a pass play, a horizontal pass play yeah. against Florida State, and, I, and, and now he's playing yeah. right into their hands because now their speed comes into play, and they intercepted yeah. the ball, and it, and it was curtains from there, and uh, I felt so bad for those kids because they had played so well, and they were going to beat Florida mm-hmm. State. And, and the coach blew it, and he had done such a great job, and he let them turn the tide of the game with just a dumb play call. Yeah. I, I mean, when they were going vertical against Florida State and, yeah. and just throwing north-south, they had guys open all over the place. Well, no, and that's a good thing going forward after we play North Carolina because I think the way we're playing now versus, the, again, I don't know how we're going to look in a couple weeks, but I'm hoping we're 4-1. and one. Because I watched the North Carolina game on Saturday. I don't know if you got a chance to see that. And North Carolina looked awful again. I don't know yep. how Larry Fedora still has a job. Yeah, and, and now they're not going to play this week. Yeah, so, because, because, unfortunately, because of, because of, the, because of the hurricane. And, um, by yeah. the way, those of you listening who live in the Carolinas, uh, you know, we're all praying for you yeah. guys and uh, uh, make sure you guys stay safe. Yep. Yeah. But, so what but else I, you got, Adam? Um, well, no, um, a couple questions. Um, first, on the recruiting front, um, is there any word on um, where Tyreek Stevenson is leaning or is if he's going to commit soon? Because I've heard for a long time he's a Georgia lean. Yeah, I think he's a Georgia lean. And, uh, but, but but Miami's still, still in it. Miami's still in okay. it. He's a Georgia lean. I, I think I – think the, the onus is on the Hurricanes to finish the season strong. If, if, if you want a shot at a kid like that – you know, Georgia's going to have a good season this year. That's pretty obvious, you know, and, yeah. and, and that does impact some of these kids. And, and uh, you know, I think Miami has to finish the season strong and hang in there. And um, I think the LSU loss maybe hurt Miami a little bit. Okay. Uh, and a couple, um, just a couple more things. One, also on the recruiting front, what about Richards and McIntosh? Because I've heard Richards is really looking at Auburn, and I heard McIntosh is, I think, looking at Oklahoma and Stanford as well. Yeah, I think they're both, you know, enjoying the recruiting process and and listening to other schools and taking some trips, whatever. Uh, I think Miami's going to have to work really hard not to win those two. I I, got to believe that both of those kids are going to be in this recruiting class, and it would be a devastating development if either of them are not. Okay. And, and what happened with Sanguinetti? Because I heard, did he we just, they, I, I just think they feel like they have better than him that they're, oh, you know, okay. that I, I just, I, you know, his stock's kind of down a little bit. Uh, okay. Um, 
Also, um, what do you – and now getting back to football, what do you think we could exploit? I'm not sure you have seen Toledo a lot, but I, I know their quarterbacks now in the NFL. What side I think he's playing for either Cincinnati or New England. But what matchups do you think that Miami can exploit? Would it be similar to last year where we could just overwhelm them with the pass and just wear them down, wear them down, wear them down? I, I mean, I can't imagine that they have the athletes on defense to to stay with Miami. I think I think the best um, chance they have is to, is to try to score points. Obviously, I mean, their their quarterback did a decent job in the VMI game. He was 11 of 16. So they're, they, I don't think they're yeah, throwing the but, ball. But again, I, I, as I was much. looking at VMI. VMI was similar to Savannah State. They went 0 and 11 last year. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, you can't yeah. judge a lot by by that. It just it didn't look to me like yeah. they threw the ball as much as they did as they might have last year. You know that that was one oh, okay. thought that I that I took just from looking at some some of the notes and stuff about about that yeah. game. Uh, but their offense did put up 600 yards. Uh, but VMI was able to get 232 on them. Uh, so wow. they, they did a they did a decent they they did a decent job on run defense. But I mean, there's there's not a lot I can tell you off of that, you know. I mean, there's just not. I mean, yeah. Like you said, it's VMI. But you yeah, know, they've been true. sitting there now for two weeks preparing. So yeah. you know, they'll be well studied up on what Miami likes to do. But I yeah. still don't. I can't imagine them having the athletes to stay with the Miami offense. Okay. Um. And last thing, and I think I read this. I mean. Granted, we did end up with a lot of yards in the second half, but our offensive line really has to block better again. It's Savannah State. I mean, to only have, what was it, like 2.3 yards per carry in the first half. Is, is that 2. an 4. indictment on just 2.4, my mistake? Is that just an indictment on how Golden was recruiting and Rick just trying to get in his guys? Or is it just, we we can't get offensive linemen anymore. Like well, no I mean, Kenny's or Martin Biblas or even later like Eric Winston or somebody. Well, McKinney came from Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. Bibla, I believe, also came from Pennsylvania, didn't he? I'm but, trying to remember. Then, like but... a Vernon Carey, who came from I think Miami High. Yeah, so, uh, Northwestern. But yeah, there's not a lot of those kind of guys. You hope you hope you got one in Delone Scaife. I mean, he's doing pretty well. He's the number six seven guy right now and, and, and has been doing very, very well so far. What, um, about, what about like Herbert or Campbell? I mean, Herbert Herbert's a fourth star. Yeah. Herbert's a little slow developing. Uh, Campbell's doing well, but he's a true freshman. He's not ready to go into games yet. Uh, same thing with Delonte Hillary. So, uh, you know, um, but isn't, isn't Hillary either redshirt freshman or sophomore? Didn't he come in the same year that Dallas did? Yeah, but he's, they they just don't feel he's he's there yet. Now, okay. I mean, in terms of being a starter, he's running second team, so yeah, you know, he, no. it's he he's in the top ten, but they don't feel he's in the top five yet. You know, and and okay. they're having to play um, Navon at tackle, which is I think hurting a lot because he's really a guard and he's struggling a little bit out there. And you know, it, well, the, they the were mentioning that well. on the they were mentioning that on the broadcast that this Savannah State guy was easily getting around him. Yeah. And, and Jahair Jones, Jahair Jones just has not done great. 
You know, he's he's been average as can be. So now you're bringing in uh, Venzel Boulware, and there's yeah. no continuity. There's no continuity at all. And like I said, guys are playing new positions except for Gauthier. And you know, it's just it's just not an ideal situation. And so they're struggling a little bit. Okay. No, I mean, I just don't want to see this manifest itself when we have to go up against the Virginia Tech in November. Well, you gotta you gotta hope by then, Adam. College. Adam, by then, by by the time you get into October, you gotta hope they're yeah. playing better. You know, that's well, a whole another month of games and practices. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm the eternal optimist. I'm still going to be like 1983. That's my hope <laughs> is that we lose the first game to an SEC school and then run the table. Could happen. That's, Listen, we, yeah, we, we before the season started, everybody was talking about Miami being favored in every game. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think. I think Virginia Tech's victory over Florida State kind of changed the perceptions of Virginia Tech. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that now shapes up as a very, very, very difficult game. You know, not that it wouldn't yeah, have been anyway, and I, but they showed something how, by going into Tallahassee on opening night and winning. Although now the way Florida State's looking, I don't know. And Georgia Tech also didn't look that great in losing to USF. So no, I don't, still they didn't. the Coastal. I still think the Coastal's wide open. All right, Adam, you got anything else? No, thanks for taking my call. Have a great rest of the show. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of the show. Thanks. All right, 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633 is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 845. I believe that's Greg. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing, Greg? Hi, Gary. They beat yeah, you to the I punch got, tonight, man. Yeah, I know. I just got a new puppy, and he was driving me nuts. I uh, lost track of the time here. But anyway, um, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, we're in trouble at the defensive end spot now. Huh? Is Demetrius Jackson going to play this week? Yeah, he should play this week. But but you're right. I mean, losing Russo cuts into your depth quite a bit. Now, the good news is Scott Patchen looks like he's playing decently, and hopefully he stays healthy. But, you know, losing Russo, who, who had been doing so well, I mean, he's a true freshman. He wasn't going to play an enormous amount. But he gave you some insurance that if you lose Joe Jackson or Garvin, that you've got somebody else that can come in and get after the quarterback. And I'm not sure that – you know, these other guys can do it, although Jackson was one of the better pass rushers on the team last year, so we'll see. But uh, I didn't like what I've seen of Jackson in, in Dallas, so hopefully he'll play better as he goes forward. Right. Um, you were just talking about Silvera. I was looking up on your power rankings. You got him up in, like, the top five. You must think he's pretty <laughs> damn good. Yeah, he did pretty – He, I thought he played pretty well the other night. You know, I mean, it, you know, the power rankings after that game don't mean a whole lot, to be honest with you, Greg. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty brutal out there. I mean, but it it was very concerning in the first couple drives that we couldn't move these people off the line of scrimmage. It's incredible. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, you, you're telling me this kid 
Corey Gaynor couldn't do any better than Jahir Jones? Apparently, they don't feel that he can, or else Jahir Jones wouldn't be out there, you know? Well, it looked like the the second-team offensive line was opening a lot more holes than the first team. I yeah, mean, they did. They did. They did well. But again, you got to you got to keep it in perspective. You know, the game was was over. I'm, I'm sure Savannah was rotating guys in, and you know, you just can't. I don't think you can overreact to any of it. Right, I say that, but we did. But we did overreact to Nesta's play at the end of the game because you know by putting them so high in the power rankings. And you know, the the thing is, the thing that you like to see about that is that late in the game, that was totally decided that nobody on the field really cared very much about anymore, that kid was still playing. And and that that's a good sign. That that shows you that he's a baller. You gotta be encouraged though about the play of these tight ends. Yep. They're everything I mean, they were advertised hope, to be, Greg. Hopefully Rosier can uh find these people this week. Well they they and, were uh, we were you know, they were supposed to be the, the the two best tight ends in the country coming into college football this year. And I'm not seeing anything that it would make me want to argue that, you know, I expected them to have a big role. I expected them to play well. And, and, and they are. Uh, no. I mean, Brevin Jordan should have had a few catches in Dallas. Right. He was open several times and, you know, a couple times Rozier went to him and just missed him, and other times he didn't get the didn't get the look. But uh, you know that kid's going to get open, and he's going to make plays. Okay, when is Stacy Searles going to come under fire? They've had two or three recruiting classes, and the only guy that's playing is Donaldson. The rest are holdovers from Golden. I mean, when is he going to take some responsibility for this poor line play? You know, that's a tough question because, I mean, let's be honest, he didn't inherit a very good situation. I mean, right? I mean, would you agree that it was it was it was a pretty bad bad situation that right, he inherited? But he I mean, so two classes. Okay, but all right, well, but wait a minute. Let's, so let, let's. Let's let's start on face value, which is that they're coming from almost rock bottom, okay? Because it was bad, okay? The, and and you're seeing now, based on what you're saying, how bad it really is and and was because these are not great offensive linemen. You know, Hayden Mahoney's great now, the best of everybody, and it looked for a long time like he would never play at Miami. Jahair Jones, same thing. I mean, it looked like he would never play. Uh, Gauthier has become a good center. I think Tyree is a serviceable tackle, probably belongs on the right side instead of the left. Donaldson belongs to guard instead of a tackle. So, you know, they're kind of like doing this thing as like a hodgepodge. And, you know, it, 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 it's not surprising that it's average. Well, he's had two recruiting classes. And All right, well, that's, now that's another debate. Yeah, well, that's another that's another subject of conversation, and we'll get into this in a little bit here with Claude Jones too. Is what's reality with young linemen coming into college football? You know, uh, how many true freshmen can you realistically expect to be ready to play in in year one at the level that you need them to play as a starter? You know, I mean, my instinct and my experience tells me it's very difficult to do that. 
you know, I think it's extremely hard for linemen to come in and play as true freshmen. But, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm, my opinion is the gospel on it. And, I, and I'm very interested in hearing what, what Claude Jones has to say because, you know, he would know. He tried to do it. He, did. He, he played early in his career. And, you know, he'll remember how tough it was or how tough it wasn't. So um, he'll be a good guy to ask that of, and, and we will here in a little bit. All right, one last point. I want you to uh, compare Mark Rick's play calling ability to Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher's lighting up Clemson left and right, and we can't move the ball against Clemson. It's unbelievable. I mean, Mark Jimbo Rick Fisher. A- Jimbo Fisher's arguably the best, you know, or one of the best couple play callers in college football. I mean, there's no question about it. Going, you know, he's got a long track record of success. Uh, he makes great halftime adjustments. He's one of the best there is, you know, running an offense in college football. I don't know that anybody's saying that right now yet about Mark Rick. You know, Mark hasn't really done it in a while, and he's going to have to earn that reputation. All right. I just want to. Now, this Stevenson, if you're Stevenson, you want to go to Georgia and play for national titles and get paid or come to Miami. That's the bottom line. Mark, Mike Rump's track record is not good in these cases, as we saw with Sertain and Campbell, two guys he coached in high school, and the year before he lost Henderson and Edwards. So what do you think the odds of us getting Stevenson? I don't think it has anything to do with Mike Rumpf. I don't think Mike Rumpf has any impact on that situation. The kid either is going to want to stay home or he's going to want to go. It's it's that simple. It's not – I don't think anything Mike Rumpf's going to say to him is going to make a difference. I don't think anything Mike Rumpf's going to do or Ephraim Banda or or anybody that's recruiting him from Miami. I don't think they're they're going to do anything that's going to – tilt the scales there. I, I think it's a question of what the kid want and, and his mom want to do. Those other kids you oh. mentioned didn't want to stay. They were never staying. Campbell, Miami was number three with Campbell. Camp, Miami was Campbell wanted to leave. He was going to go to Georgia or Bama. Same with Sertan. You know? All right. I mean, we're fighting an uphill battle if we want to get into the national title picture. We well, I agree. I agree. I, I agree with you, and and I, I know we've got other guys that make this argument all the time on the message boards. Uh, everything three hundred five is obviously the leader of the parade, but like, you know, it, it, the, you're right. If you want to be able to beat Clemson, if you want to be able to compete with Alabama and Ohio State and and all and and these upper tier five or six teams that are sitting there every year, Georgia, if you want to be at that level, you got to get elite recruits and, and you've got to get the guys that are difference makers. I mean, Tyson Campbell's starting for Georgia right now as a freshman. Right. All right, Gary. Thank you. Once again, I'll talk to you next week. Hopefully we win this week. All right. All right, Greg. Thanks for being part of the show as always. Let's go to the 786. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Doing great. Who's this? It's Everything 305. Hey, what's up, man? I was just talking about you. 
Yes, yes, I, I heard, I heard. Uh, didn't <laughs> call to talk about Mr. Rump and uh, his uh, lack of uh, performance, but uh, recruiting wise, anyway, I, I called this to, to take a, a, a closer look at what CMR is at right now uh, as captain of this ship and where he's trying to guide these kids and take these kids to. Uh, you know, Gary, last week I alluded to that this guy is almost like a master psychologist uh, as one of the potential thoughts or uh, reasoning as to why he was making some of the decisions he was making with personnel. Um, and I know that earlier you mentioned what a great job John Ricks has done working with Malik and even this week going back to the fundamentals. But, you know, Gary, I mentioned this a long time ago to you guys. When you're a career 48 to 52% completion percentage type of passer in practice, that's that's just going to get in games, okay? In scrimmages, you're the same. That's just going to get in games. He's not going to change. He is who he is. And the notion or the, the, the hope that some of us have that the switch will turn on and he'll get it, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. We, Miami is a great football town. We have to be smarter as fans. We have to be. We have to hold these people accountable and hold our players accountable but still be there to support them. And, and I think this past week was a great show. We're playing Savannah State, but it was a pretty good crowd. Uh, with the limited parking, it looked even bigger in the parking lot. But, man, the support is there. But we have to be honest with ourselves, and I think we lack that. Um, you know, our hopes don't, can't carry this team to a national champion. It's not going to happen at this stage. But looking at the master psychologist, I mean, as much as he's worked with them, whether you're Brad Kaya or Malik Rozier, when you have a line that's subpar at best and the bullets start flying, Man, you're going to get happy feet. You're going to throw off balance. All the things that you're taught not to do, you're going to do because you're trying to survive and not get killed on a play. And mm-hmm. I think you would agree with that, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, we saw it in year one of Mark Richt when they lost those four games. Brad Kaya was getting the crap kicked out of him. There, there was the, that, I remember that game at Virginia Tech where they have eight sacks in that one game. I remember the FSU game. The, the beating he took in the FSU game, and the line was not up to par in that season. Gary, look at what he's doing with Malik. I think you're seeing this happen across the board in different personnel groups. I mean, Jahir Jones has no business starting over Bowler. You watch Bowler no. play, he's got to be grading better than, than Jones. He's, got, he's not having as many mentals that we could see the other night. He, he, he's able to actually move out and, and, and come out and do a trap and come out and do a counter. The kid's got better feet, and he's smarter. I mean, there are certain things that you're seeing that I don't know if I, I'm seeing, and I've never done this for a living, been around the game forever, been around coaching forever, but what the eye sees is what the eye sees. And they, every time we have a press conference, what do you see the master psychologist do? He never really puts any kid under the bus or holds that kid Accountable. He'll make a general statement. Now he's progressing into saying, like today, I think he mentioned, well, we're going to give the we're going to give the quarterback spot to the best that makes us win or helps us win. And right now that's Malik. So he's already setting things up. And I'll tell you why he's doing it. Because I could tell you, uh, the kid from Southridge, that kid's ready to play right now, <laughs> well above some of the guys we have. So we're going to see all these young kids be infused little by little, like he's doing. But you don't want him to do this at, at, at the expense of losing a game. And let me tell you, Toledo is going to do the same thing. And I asked you this on your message board today. What is Toledo going to do to us defensively? What, what might they do this week, Gary? 
Well, they're going to blitz because, I mean, everyone's going to. They're going to blitz. They're going to load the box and say, throw it, kid. Beat us. We yeah, dare you. But, it's, it's but I don't know that they're going to have guys that can cover the receivers. That's the difference. But, but well, uh, I'm looking at the grades from the LSU game because you raised an interesting point. And neither Bullware nor, nor, nor Jahair Jones really graded that great. Uh, Jahair was 57.5. Um, was horrendous, okay, horrendous uh, in pass blocking. They did not do very well in that, in that game, pass blocking. Um, Bullware was a little bit, little bit better in that regard. That's his strength. He's not a very good run blocker. He graded a little bit better. Uh, by pro, and I'm looking at pro football focus's rankings because that's what all I've got to go by. I don't get, the, obviously, the coaching staff here – uh, their 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 grades. Uh, so Bullware well, graded let me, let me just share this. Let me just share this, guys. Most traditional do not give any credence to PFF whatsoever. But I, I well, but but the, they are the body that's out there. there that's putting the time in to sit right. there and grade every player right. uh, every play. No, so so so, so they are people do pay attention because they are the ones doing it. You know, you don't get to see the grades that are done by the coaches. So that's all we have to go by, to be honest with you. I mean, and, you know, so neither one did great in the LSU game, according to these guys. Uh, and, you know, I'm not sure how much we can put into the game the other night. I mean, I'll look at the grades if you want me to, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Well, I, can, I, I, you know. I think the premise, Gary, is the same thing I've been mentioning for a while. He's making sure he doesn't lose that team by giving these older guys a chance, and these younger guys aren't totally ready. But there comes a point in time where you got to say, kid, go out there and play, because you give us the best chance to win, and you're the best athlete. You might, you, we might need to go ahead and condense the playbook a little bit for this week's script. You know, we might have to do that, but you've got to make certain concessions to get the most explosive, the most impactful players on the field at once. And one person to get them the ball. So if we know that Perry runs, runs around a little bit better than Malik. Malik's a little stronger, which we see. But in terms of in the pocket and sprint outs or rollouts, that kid threw one pass to Langham the other day. Langham hadn't even cut out his break because he was running a lazy route. And as soon as he, he obviously wasn't close to catch, as soon as he got to the sideline, Dugans ate him up. Ate him up for lunch. Because the bottom line was that kid half-assed it because he's used to a slow ball coming there. He's used to a guy who takes forever to get rid of the ball. So you saw, immediately you saw, one impact in terms of explosiveness and getting the ball to the right spot. Now, we did, we did throw an interception. I understand that. You know, I've seen a lot of great quarterbacks at the University of throw interceptions against zones. I've seen tons of them do it. I mean, and he telegraphed it from the very beginning. But what did we see that we don't see with Malik? The kid has more confidence and is ready to go ahead and prove himself. He's like, give me the chance. I mean, you can see, you can see a kid. This, their body language tells you so much in warm-ups. Where we, Malik is taking a crap because he's got to play, this kid wants to play. And you can see that. If, if, if I'm seeing this, and you're kind of seeing it maybe, I hope you are, you, you mean tell me his teammates don't see it every day in practice? Don't see it in warm-ups too? You check your guys. You look at your guys. You're assistant coach to see it. So I still think that there is a master plan, and I think we're getting close to that day. Uh, looking at Toledo, um, one of my questions to you, Gary, is why are we even playing Toledo? Why don't we have a seventh home game? Why are we even playing this game on the road? 
Well, it was it's 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 a, it was a home and home deal. Yeah, I it was a home and home. But why are you yeah. doing that? But why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? You know why you're doing that? Because you had a guy in Kirby Hoka and the guy right now is just trying to keep us afloat financially. This university is not going to change. You look at your staff. Well, but no, it, it, that's that's not it, really. I mean, the, the, it's changed. Scheduling has changed in the college football, and to get teams like Toledo to to schedule you, you they they won't do it unless you do home and home, because you know every you know everybody wants them to schedule, the, you know these type of teams to Here, schedule I because that. I, I understand that. Yeah, but so so it's like FIU. FIU is a home and home, by the way. FIU is a home and home. Well, FIU has control. They have control of that game next year, and they can put it anywhere they want. Jared, if you're smart, you do a home-and-home with both FIU and FAU, and you rotate which one you're going to host. Well, they played it. They did do a home-and-home with FAU a few years ago. Well, I'm saying you've got to continue to put the local fans at the game. Get them there. I just don't think scheduling-wise this makes any sense that we're in this predicament to begin with. When an SEC kid is going to go visit, and he's going to have seven chances to go visit them to watch three different game day experience. With us, he's got six, correct? I mean, these are the types of things that need to change. When well, you, you know, this, this, this was scheduled back in 2010, okay? Now, next, next year, year, I think they have Eastern Michigan. I'm, I don't think that's a home-and-home. Home. Right. So right. they're, 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 they're probably paying a little bit more State. money. A Cal State Fullerton, uh, uh, a Fresno State. There are teams out there that'll take the same amount of money you're doing. And well, no, you you, you got to pay them a little bit more. You got to pay more. That's fine. If you if so you're, you're going to get away team. without a home and home, you're probably in today's world into seven figures. You've got to if you want to play for the champ, you want to be in that mix. You got to act like it from top to bottom. You just can't pick and choose how you want to do it. It's not an a la carte situation. In today's college football world of the elite, you, you can't do a la carte anymore. You just can't. You're not, you're not going to have a chance. Last thing before I leave, Gary, last thing, recruiting-wise. I didn't make the micro up. You guys did. I am not going to sit here and listen to anybody tell me that a coach doesn't make a difference in a kid coming because they do. Now, I might have done it in a different sport altogether, but I can tell you, if I can get a kid from the Bahamas who had three or four offers here in South Florida to go to Omaha, Nebraska, then anybody else can keep a kid from Hollywood or Fort Lauderdale or Ghouls or Richmond Heights or the Grove to stay home. You either got the deuce as a recruiter and you know how. how well, but, but, but just so you know, Rump's not the lead recruiter on, on Tyreek Stevenson. You know, I, I think I think well, I think Band is doing a lot of the heavy lifting on that one. Well, and and he might have to be in the safety. He could he could play safety or corner, and Rumpf and Band are kind of like are a tag team with the DBs. So, but I think Band is doing most of the heavy lifting there. But Band has always been the lead on everything since he got here. And we keep well, that's, waiting that's for him his, to develop, but there's one. He's, he's a skilled recruiter. If if you're if you're the head coach, you're making him the lead. Learn. I would make him the lead but too. You gotta learn. You gotta learn. You gotta learn, Gary. There's there, there, either you do or you don't. It's just like Malik Rozier. There's no difference. You've got to perform, and you've got to execute. He's a great on the field coach. I've told you this a million times. That guy belongs in the shield. In the shield somewhere. There's what 32 teams somewhere. 
he belongs to one of those 32 teams, coaching DBs, coaching corners. He'd be great at that. But, you why? but like, you, you got DJ Ivy, for example, out there. Wait, time out. You got DJ Ivy playing as a true freshman. Does he get credit for that? Gary, he's a true freshman. That's fantastic. We're talking about the elite kids. That no, but know. I'm just saying, does he get does he get credit for DJ Ivy? Tons of you know, coming to Miami well, and doing no, well. No doubt about it. Kids got great instinct, but you know what? It's Tra- we play How about Trajan Bandy? How about Bandy? How about Trajan Bandy? Hey, let's be honest. Wait, wait. Let's be honest. Is, it, tell me the truth. Is, is Trajan Bandy playing better than you expected well, you when he truth. came to Miami? Why, did, why didn't he offer him? Why didn't he offer him from the beginning? He said he was too small. He didn't offer him at first. He didn't like him at first. Yeah. Who went but it, but, but, he's, done, but isn't he playing better than you than you expected as somebody that no follows doubt. South Florida football no and recruiting? Doubt, Gary. Gary, no he's, doubt he's playing a lot He's better. playing better than I thought he would be, be playing. No, he is. I agree with you 110%. And that's what he's good at. He's good at coaching. But it's about the Johnny's and the Joes at the end of the day. And you've got to go ahead and get the best ones. That way, if you do that, practice is a war every freaking day. It's a freaking war. It ain't ones and twos. Why are we doing ones and twos? He's doing ones against twos to, to develop kids who haven't had the experience because they're young. Number two, because he doesn't want to kill what he does have. And you can't play that way. That's the way he's always coached. Why couldn't he win any big games except for three in Georgia after, what, 15 years? Why? Because he doesn't have that killer type of mentality. He's never going to get it. And if you don't surround yourself with a bunch of dogs, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to keep these kids. These kids want to play here. They want to play this aggressive, old-style approach. When you listen to Ed Reed talk at any type of event on Green Tree, man, everybody's quiet as a mouse. Ray Lewis, they're all quiet. They want, to, they want to get to that level, that level of intensity every day, not just when you play, every day in practice, when you're lifting weights, when you're running. Do you really think this guy has that approach? It remains I mean, to be seen, I think. I, I you know, I think it remains. I think it remains to be seen. I, I don't have an opinion either way, to be honest with you. I, I don't think they're there yet, well, for sure. Like I just, I don't think the roster say, is at that level yet. I will say this. I will say this. If Mario's here this year and next year, we're playing in one of those. We're playing. We're in that Final Four somewhere. Now we might bend some rules to get there. We might go ahead and and and, and step on some people. You know, in an airport bathroom and just make, you know, make a headway like I've seen happen before. Because it does happen. If you don't think it does, it does. But you need an aggressive SOB that epitomizes what UM football is all about. Not a choir boy. Not a preacher. We're not Florida State. We're Miami. With that, I'll leave you. Thank you, Gary. Have a great night. All right, man. Thank, Thank you for being part of the show. All right, 563-999-3633 is the number. You hit the one on your keypad. If you would like to come on the show, let's go out to the 305 now. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? How you doing, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? Long time no see. Oh, it's Shmira. Hey, what's up, Shmira? How you doing tonight? I'm doing, oh, doing all right. You know, try to get on the last few weeks. And to keep me on, I got your show so popular. You can't even get on anymore. Well, let's hope it stays that way. I think, you know, people enjoy doing this on Tuesday night. I don't know if winning does winning bring more people or does losing bring more people. I, we have we have a good audience for this show, win or lose. Or, all right, all right. Well, I mean, I'm not take any shots or anything like that at the team because where Miami's gone in the last two years is so much better than where they were the last ten years. You know, we always have to just be grateful for last year's Notre Dame game, the Virginia Tech game, and all the long, but. 
You know, my major, I don't want to say concern, but if you look at Miami's coaching staff, you know, they're, I guess, 10 coaches now. If you go top to bottom, besides Ron Dugans, who can you really say, and what is the mix of the coaches Miami has on his staff? I think you have a few decent, I think maybe a little bit above average recruiters. I think you have a few zeros, not zeros, but what does John Rick bring, or what does Rick, the, the, the son, bring to the, the staff? I mean, I, I just think, don't think the whole mix is just going to get you over the top. And, you know, my other point would be is what has Georgia done since Mark Rick has left? And I know Rick left the situation in Georgia much better than Miami was left from Golden. So that's all we have. Well, to that and I think you know what they've done. I, I, I think you have two yeah, things. I, I, yeah. That. That, and yeah, I think you know, know what they've done. Yeah, I, I mean, and I guess that's for another conversation, but I mean, somehow they were Well, you can't even to... have it because there's no, you don't have any tangible, you know, evidence or anything to back up, but I mean, I mean, it's that everybody knows what they've done. I mean, they didn't get eight five stars in the last recruiting class, you know, by accident. Ah, sure. <laughs> So it's got to that point now where everyone just openly talks about it, huh? I mean, I guess. I guess that's an NCAA. I mean, but Gary, you know, I mean, I mean, the mix. I mean, you could see that there's clearly they have their almost the right formula, but they're just clearly missing either elite recruiters, elite coaches. Meaning, meaning you have, you know, you got the defensive coordinator who's I think puts together schemes that you know that local kids want, you know, that pin your ears back, go after the quarterback, aggressive style, but he's not an elite recruiter. And then I think, and by the way, I'm going to say this, I don't think Bande is as good a recruiter as everyone. I think maybe he's probably a very, you know, talkative and probably, you know, is very aggressive and very, you know, puts his everything he has into it, but I don't think he's nearly as effective as his, his you know, what people think. That's, that's well, I don't know that people really think anything. I mean, he's been a coach here for three years. Yeah. This is his third year. Uh, didn't really have much of a track record coming in here. Uh, you know, he worked with Manny Diaz at Mississippi State. Manny brought him in here as right. a you know young, young coach that he felt pretty good about. Right. And and you're that. right. He he puts everything he has into it. There's no doubt about it. He's got a great passion. Sure. For recruiting. Yeah. I mean. I, I don't know. I, I just think that's – and by, I'm, I don't know. I just think that's made just a lot of – not really like a good a flow of just recruiters to coaches. Just the whole mix I think is a little bit off. I don't think that Miami is as far away as it might seem after these first few weeks. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the offensive line. I think that's always been Miami's – I don't want to say downfall, but, you know, they're – the thorn in yeah, the, a, for the last. It's a very difficult position to recruit down here because you're kind of like you're you're down in South Florida, you're isolated right. from the rest of the country, so to speak, and there are not a lot of offensive linemen down here in the southern part of the state of Florida. So you're constantly having to, you know, if you're going to stay in state, you got to go to Tampa, you got to go to Jacksonville and uh, Orlando, move up the state. And then you got to try to reach into Georgia for alignment and then go from there. And it's just not as easy as recruiting receivers and defensive backs. So, you know, right. like we're sitting here, we'll sit here and talk about how Ron Dugans is the greatest recruiter in the world. And he's done and just absolutely 
amazing job in his time here, but it's a lot easier to recruit that position when you can go and, you know, grab uh, Wiggins and Pope, you know, sure. you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's, no, you know, I'm on Richards from Palm Beach. Right, right. No, it makes sense. I mean, I, there's just something about this. I don't want to say this year's team. I don't want to say that because you think, I think that three-game losing streak they went on last year was more about they just kind of were outmanned. You had Amon Richards get hurt. You had uh, the tight end get hurt. You had, uh, you know, obviously Mark Walton got hurt. I mean, so you just kind of, you know, you just felt like, you know, something was going to break. And I actually was pretty impressed with their Orange Bowl performance without all of those players of where, you know, how hard they played. And fortunately, unfortunately, as a gambling man, when you see Miami on the road favored by three and a half points playing LSU and SEC school with elite coaching and elite players. I mean, you're salivating to bet that game. I would never bet against Miami, but I mean, come on, whoever uh, that, that was just, uh, what, why, why is LSU's coaching elite? Yeah, their defensive coordinator from Wisconsin is not elite. I mean, I would, wouldn't you call him one of the top five coach in the country? I mean, I mean yeah, he, he's, he's good. You're right. You're right. I, I, you know, besides I, their head, he, besides, I mean, and the, I mean, besides their head. But coach, I mean, Mark I mean, Rick's a high, more highly regarded head coach than Ed Orgeron. Oh, that that's without a doubt. But I mean, they have top level five star talent all year long. All they've always needed, LSU. And by the way, they'll probably get. They will probably lose to Auburn this week. They'll probably be a little bit. They were underrated going to the Miami game, and I'm sure Auburn will probably beat them. But all all LSU ever needed was a decent quarterback not to kill them and not to really just make them a negative just make it a, a neutral player and they brought in a quarterback that just made him a, a neutral so i mean to beat a miami team with really doesn't have an offensive line undermanned in the defensive line you know they might lose to the higher echelon sec schools but to play a above average miami team i didn't think they needed to be that much more improved they just needed not to shoot themselves in the foot like we did so well, they won that. Was, they won that game by dominating the line of scrimmage, particularly right. when Miami was on offense, and yeah. and because Miami couldn't recover from the punch to the gut that they took with that fifty-yard run right. at the end of the first quarter, and you know Miami should have reacted better to that, but like you know they they just didn't. You know they didn't react. Well, they, you right. know they 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 were in the tank for two quarters, and that's well, why they lost. Sure, but what have you seen in the last five years to make you think that Miami would ever be able to either hold their own or somewhat have the advantage on the lines against a SEC school, a top, a top, well, not top, but a above you're, average? You're right. I don't see it. You're right. I mean, yeah, of course. And I consider Clemson like an SEC school. Look what happened last year in the Clemson game. He's going to get dominated in the lines, of course, and that's the same thing which happened. I mean, it's that's how I looked at the game pretty easily from that vantage point but i mean let's just i mean listen they should still have a successful year they have their virginia techs which they won't be have that they'll have the same or better athletes than virginia tech and florida state i mean let's hope that florida state can put together a few wins to make that maybe a uh, better game down here i mean i don't want to see them 0 and four or, or whatever it's one and four or whatever and they'll, they'll probably lose to syracuse this week if they don't pay any news. i mean we'll see what this season i mean they should potentially be in almost every game as last year. But, I mean, with the offensive line the way it is, if you can't run the ball, I don't see, you know, what you could do. 
to really say that Miami could go anywhere, even this week, to win a game. I don't know. What do you think about this week? Oh, I think I think they're they're obviously going to win the game. I mean, that's the way you know. I mean, I I, I don't see Toledo it's very similar to last year having right. the athletes on defense to stay with Miami's offense. I right. think Toledo could give the defense some problems with that offense they have and and the way that you know they can move the ball and score points. I don't think that the game is is going to be anything remotely close to what we saw last week, but I just don't I just don't see how they they can have the athletes on defense to stay with what Miami's playing right. on offense. LSU I did. Actually don't think I, yeah, I actually don't think that the defense doesn't scare me as much for Miami. It was always I'd rather them play the young kids all day long over playing this that the kid Dean and and some of these other reach what's it the, the big receiver they play him all the time who the kid that caught the the FSU touchdown these guys just aren't they were recruited by Golden not I mean not Dean but some of these guys they just move on and play younger kids I'd rather them see them make a mistake and play a younger kid than just play these these stiffs that really aren't that great to be honest with you mm-hmm. I mean when they go out there with Cager and and Langham I mean are you are you excited? Would you rather see Mark Pope and Wiggins out there with Jeff Thomas? Uh, yeah, on, on face that. on face value, I would. Yeah, but they've you know obviously they've sure. they've got to learn what to do first. You know, I mean Pope Pope's yeah, a little bit no, behind. I, Wiggins has been the surprise. Wiggins is doing great. He's been good, by the way. He looks he's been so very too. good, and he's been even better on the practice field. Uh, and I I'm not surprised. Like when I watched them in high school, I didn't think there was a, that big of a difference between Pope and Wiggins. And, and I really liked Wiggins as, as a prospect and, and he's come in and he, and he's probably picked things up a little bit better than Pope and maybe is on top of his, you know, P's and Q's a little bit better than Pope. And, you know, that's why right now he's getting a few more reps. And and that probably comes from that IMG Academy getting in them. That's almost like a college, you know, as close to, well, that's, I'm sure well, that's Hightower. That's Hightower you're talking about. I'm talking oh, about Wiggins. Right, Wiggins. I'm sorry. You're Wiggins. Right, right. From, yeah. Right, right. You got it. Yeah. 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 yeah you're that's right. Good. Hightower is a little bit more polished coming out of IMG. No doubt. Sure. All right. Schmeier, right. you got anything else? Uh, um, I don't, Gary. Any, any early right, man. Breeders Cup calls? No, I'm kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> you got it. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. All right. All right. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633 is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad. If you would like to come on the show, let's go out now to the 646. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Uh, hey, Gary, how's everything? It's Carlos calling from Brooklyn. What's up, man? What you got for us? You know what? I got to agree with the last couple callers that called in. You know, sometimes I feel that Mark Rick prefers seniority over talent. I'm looking at the game, and everyone has eyes, and I'm saying to myself, why is Malik Rozier even starting? Why is don't Langham most coaches more playing? Don't most no, coaches prefer I, seniority? Like, don't no, they? Really, doesn't seniority and 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 having the, a comfort level that a, that the guy that you're putting on the field has a total understanding of what you want to do and, and how to make adjustments on the fly and things like that. No, Doesn't that give every coach a comfort level? It does, but not in the case of Malik Rozier. Like what comfort has he shown in the past four games? You know, the guy's a turnover machine. And if Mark Rick is this offensive mind that everyone says he is, he would, he, we would have seen 
Malik Rozier actually make better decisions and make, you know, just just play the game better. And I'm not seeing that. Like, he is what he is. I don't think he's a D1 type of quarterback, you know. And we've always talked about uh, – Mark Ray's always talked about how Nikosi Perry is the next coming. He's the next coming. Like, let's play this kid. Same thing on defense. Like, I don't understand why Nelson – and. Redwine's been playing good, but you can't tell me that Nelson and Redwine is better than Hall, Gervin Hall. Saban flew a helicopter to see this kid. Why is this kid not in the game? Even Amari Carter, why is he not getting reps? You look at Nick Saban over there in Alabama. I'm not Hey, hey Redwine, program, Redwine's but... become a pretty good player now. He's become a pretty yeah, damn a... good player. I think you're he's selling a him a little good... short. No, I think he is a pretty good player, but I think Gervin Hall's upside is tremendous. And I think, look at a guy like Saban. Saban plays the best guy. It doesn't matter freshman, sophomore, junior. If you're the best guy at that position, you're going to play. And I don't see that coming from Mark Rick sometimes. I don't know, I don't know about that, man. I, I mean, let's, let, let's, let's be fair here. I mean, you've got a lot of freshmen and young kids that are walking into this program and playing. Like, I don't see him playing Brian Palendi – um, over Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory. I mean, well, well, you know, I, I, I think I think that if Gervin Hall were better right now than Sheldrick Redwine, who I think is one of their best defensive players, I think he plays. He's playing great. So it just, I guess, it's all a matter of opinion. But I think if Gervin Hall were, were were a better guy to put on the field right now, that he'd be on the field. Uh, you know what? I'm looking at it. I'm just using my eyes and. Look at a guy like Malik Rozier. How is Malik Rozier starting over Nikosi? And even Williams, you look at Williams. Williams was in the same district, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and he actually played against these guys, and he held his own. But he comes to Miami, and the only thing you hear is he's not ready. He's not ready. And I'm saying to myself, how is Trevor Lawrence ready and Justin Fields ready? And even in the opening, uh, Williams outplayed Lawrence. And all of a sudden, Williams comes to Miami, and now he can't play. Like, Williams did not outplay Lawrence, okay? Lawrence. In the opening? And, uh, in the, in the, in the no. opening, he started, he started over Lawrence in the no. opening, and he actually no. played better than him. Okay. Lawrence is one of the best-looking young quarterback prospects that I, no, I know that is, I've yeah. seen in a long time. Okay? I watched that kid – standing like five yards from him for several hours last, last summer. And I'm telling you, that kid is the real freaking deal. Like he's going to be a great quarterback. No, no. Dis- yeah, he absolutely is. But Justin Fields but that doesn't mean he's going to put Kelly Bryant on the bench. Hey, just so, just to oh. show you the analogy, he might be a great prospect, but he didn't, he's not walking into Clemson and, and, and pulling, putting Kelly Bryant on the bench. He's he he's not, but he's getting a, a lot of playing time. He's getting yeah, a lot of playing him, time, and I'm looking. They're giving him playing time. And Williams, and and I'm looking at Williams, and Williams is pretty good. Even Nikosi's pretty good, and it's like we're still stuck with Malik Rozier, and I'm not understanding it. Why? And another thing, John Rick, what is he doing? He's supposed to be developing these guys, and Nikosi Perry, although he looked good. He still made the same mistake that 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 Rozier makes, and I have no problems with a freshman making that mistake. I'd rather have a freshman make that mistake than a five, five, five uh, a five year senior. Exceptions after interceptions. 
Well, you can't you, know? you, you can't put everybody on the field. And Mark Rick's been very consistent, and, and he said he makes it very clear. He he actually said it today. It, if he gets to the point where he feels that somebody else is better than Malik or anybody else he's playing, he is going to make that decision. He has no problem putting the cozy out there or Jaron out there or whoever rises up and gives him the confidence that they are better than Malik Rozier, who Mark Rick did not recruit. He has no problem making that move, and he, he's made it very clear. But that has not happened yet, and I know that makes a lot of people upset who want to blame Malik for all the problems that the programs had in losing those those games. And, yeah, he had a part in, a, in it, no doubt. But well, if, if, well, Gary, if there was somebody I, that, I that Coach Rick felt was better, he would put him out there. Well, Gary, don't you think that's pretty bad that we don't have a quarterback on our roster that's better than what than what Malik is? Like, well, maybe you will. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be next week. Maybe it'll be two weeks from now. Maybe it'll be a month from now. Maybe it'll be six months from now. But you know, I think the feeling is, and and and, and I think you certainly have the feeling, based on your opinions that you're giving tonight, that they're gonna have a quarterback better than what Malik Rozier is. It's just a question of when. But if you're Mark Richt, you can't manufacture that. You know, it's got to be real. And you've got to be able to touch it and feel it every single day on the practice field. Because you're not going to throw a kid out there for a game against a real team feeling like you're not putting your best foot forward doing it. I just think it's bad and it's an indictment, the Ricks, that we don't have a better quarterback than Rozier. But, but, but what is that look... indictment based on? I, I mean, it's based on an opinion of of, of what Malik Rozier is. I mean, Malik, Mark Rick's not sitting there saying, man, Malik Rozier really sucks. I got to get him off the field. No. He's sitting there saying, I got to coach this kid, and I got to get him doing things right. And if he does that, his good is good enough for us. You know, How can when you they, coach somebody when they ran, that – when they went, they went in the off season and they watched every play from last year and evaluated. And Mark Rick said, listen, his good is good enough. When he does, when he's right, he's good enough. So if you're Mark Rick, you're coaching every kid on your roster. You're thinking, I got to make Malik the best Malik can be. And right now he feels that Malik is better than the kids. Now, like I said, that could change tomorrow. That could change next week. I, if it changed at any point, would it surprise anybody? Wouldn't surprise me. But like I said, he can't manufacture it. It can't be artificial. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does somewhat. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired of seeing poor quarterback play. And of course, you're going to look to the offensive coordinator, and you're going to look at the quarterback coach and. The Ricks, well, everybody always does. Everybody do. always looks at the everyone always looks at the quarterback for starters. Okay, I mean, if the Dolphins aren't doing well, they're yelling about Tannehill. You know, it's it's you know, last night I don't know if you watched Monday Night Football. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it's always the quarterback when things don't go well. Because I look at Whether Malik, it is, it's, it's one, it's one read and tuck the ball, and I'm saying, oh, Nikosi can't do that. Nikosi can't make one read and tuck the ball. Because that's what it looks like to me. On another note, is it possible 
or do you think it's possible? Or what do you think of Miami reaching out to Ken Dorsey to be at least a quarterback coach or even an offensive coordinator? Because the guy is actually a good coach. I, I mean, I don't think he has any interest in replacing his son at the moment. So I don't, I don't think that's even a debatable subject. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I have no problems with somebody, you know, looking out for their kid, but if it's, if, if the kid's not producing and I haven't seen anything from John Rick yet to say that he deserves that position, I'm just saying. Well, that's, that's everyone. I don't have an opinion. I really don't. I have zero opinion about John Rick as a quarterback coach. I have no basis for an opinion. Mark, Mark Richt is coaching the quarterbacks. Mark Richt is calling the plays. I mean, John Rick's out there, and, and, and he's doing a lot, obviously, on a daily basis at practice with the quarterbacks. But, like, I have no basis to say that he's a good quarterbacks coach or a bad quarterbacks coach. What would I base that on? So no, I don't have any opinion at all. Uh, you, you know what I base it on? I base it on just looking at, you know, Malik Rozier. No, you're, not, your senior, you're you know? not, though. But let's be honest, you're not. You you and, and everybody Did else that's making this argument isn't basing it on anything. You're basing it on it's an easy target because the head coach who you're mad at because they lost the LSU game and they lost those games at the end of last year. You're mad at the head coach and, and, and you're seeing that he made his son the quarterback's coach and you're saying that's nepotism and I'm mad and I got to and I got to blame somebody. So I'm blaming the fact that he made his son the quarterback's coach for all the problems that they're having on offense and the fact that they don't have a quarterback better than Malik Rozier. That's what you're doing. And that's what so many guys out there are doing. And I know I've got probably about 2000 of them, 3000 of them like screaming into their phones right now. Yes, that is what I think. Yes. That's what I mean. You see it every day on the message board. Okay. I mean, that's, that's the argument. It's an easy target, but the the fact of the matter is not myself, not you, not anybody else has any basis to really judge John Rick. And, what, and, and, and to say, hey, you got to fire John Rick because he lost out in recruiting on that quarterback from Oregon this year, I mean, I'm not sure that's fair either. So anyway, no, listen, would, let, me, let, let me let you run. i got to get to the doctor, Dr. Claude Jones okay. and, uh, and, and the answer man, Bruce Warner. So let me uh, let you go for now. Give us a call next week. We'll see what happens this weekend, and we'll uh, pick up the conversation then. Definitely. Gary. All right. Th- 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 thanks. Yep, thanks for being part of the show. All right, guys, it's time for that new segment on Kane Sport Live this year that uh, we've had a lot of fun with. And uh, we call it the Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint with the answer man, Bruce Warner. And um, he's been coming on each week with a former player. And this week's guest is Dr. Claude Jones. And yeah, I call him a doctor. He graduated from the U in 1991, and he's presently the medical director at the Broward Addiction Recovery Center, which means he's helping the detox efforts of drug and alcohol addicts. And uh, hopefully we don't have too many of them listening to the show tonight, Claude, but uh, welcome to Kane Sport Live. Bruce, Bruce welcome back, and uh, let's, let's talk Kane's football. What's, how are you guys doing first tonight? First of all, Gary, first of all, I can Claude will agree. The last caller was right. <laughs> we want Dorsey. Right. <laughs> he's got respect. He's got rings, and he was in the NFL. I don't know what Rick's got, the kid, but 
I agree with the last caller. I think the coach has got to get somebody in there that really knows what he's doing and that these quarterbacks have respect for. I don't know if they have respect for John Rick. That's I'll leave it at that. But Doc, you don't. But you. But will you admit that you don't know that they don't? I can, of course I don't know if they don't. But I know about Dorsey, and I think a lot of people have respect for him. And I don't know if they have respect for the coach's son. It's just human nature. But let's, right, let's get but, off of that. But, let's, get, but, let's go but, to the offensive right, but, but line. But let me ask, let me ask a question. Guy on. All right, let me ask a question real quick, and then we'll yeah we'll talk so, offensive line for a few and, and move on from there. But uh, does Jaron Williams know anything about Ken Dorsey? Does Nicosi Perry know anything about Ken Dorsey? I mean, in fairness, I, I, like I don't know, yeah, you don't I know mean, the answer to uh, that either. But I we think know we know about Ken Dorsey. Huh? Okay, they know he was in the league. They must know, or if they don't know, they're going to find out if he's there. I just think that it's not just Dorsey. I I, I believe that uh, Coach Rick has he's got too much on his plate. I think he needs to have somebody in there as an offensive coordinator, which I know you didn't want to talk about because we said it before, but I just do. I think he needs somebody in there that could call the plays and could help the quarterbacks. And Dorsey's name keeps coming up, so that's why we all keep saying Dorsey. But we uh, believe that. I, I think he deserves the right to fail first. <laughs> okay, and I, and I don't consider what's been going on failing. He, he doesn't have a quarterback yet. He's trying to develop one. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, we all know okay. what Malik is. We all know what Malik is and what Malik isn't. Okay, he doesn't have an offensive we line yet. We to believe. Gary, you led us to believe because I'm on. I, I read the stuff on the, on the site. We were led to believe that he improved significantly and changed things since last year. He did not. I haven't seen it. I don't think anybody that's gone to these games or watched it on TV has seen it. So that's smoke and mirrors. He, I don't think he's any better. And from what I saw the other day, even though it was his first game, Nikosi Perry, you can't tell me the Rozier's better than him. All right, well, let's start, Bruce, Bruce. Let's start at square one, and let's get well, you know, and and we got the perfect guy to bring into the conversation here, in Claude, who who obviously went through all all these things as a player at Miami, and um, Claude, you know, great talking to you again, obviously, but you know, square one, sure. you know, point zero of of this whole thing. It doesn't. It, I, I know the quarterback is obviously critical, but doesn't it begin with the offensive line? It does, but but let me touch on a few things. Okay, uh, first of all, um, I, I agree with what Bruce said is that uh, year after year we've been kind of going through this and talking about this with with the offense. Okay, so I'm at the LSU game. We don't have a rhythm. Uh, we're running straight nine routes down the field. Uh, we're not running, you know, in emotion. We're not running the jet sweeps, bubble sweeps. So what I'm saying is there's really not much imagination, right? So all this goes into the O-line play. So let's talk about scheme. Okay. You have to develop an identity. Okay. So, so let's go back to the time when I was at the University of Miami, right? Everyone, uh, uh, little kids, you know, uh, my parents, my grandma, everyone knew we were going to throw the ball, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just it, right? Everyone knew we were going to throw the ball. But what was the difference? We did it We did it well. We did it with intent, right, and almost with a, with a chip, with an anchor, right? So, uh, with, you know, with an edge. So are you Alabama or are you Oklahoma? Okay, so so – so are you going to run the ball well? 
right? So, or or are you going to do run pass option? Malik Rozier is not a uh, RPO threat, okay? So to put him in a shotgun to simply hand the ball off to the left or to the right is not going to get you a thousand yard rush because no one's no one's afraid that he's going to keep the ball and and run for you know forty fifty yard game. Okay, so that's number one identity. So you're saying even though he carries the uh, ball a lot, the defense isn't worried about it because they'll give no, him his six, not. seven, eight yards every now and then. Yeah, exactly. Look at what LSU did. They went man to man. They put eight men in the box. They said, "Okay, Rochelle, beat us, beat us with your feet or with your arm or whatever you're going to beat us with, beat us." And that was it. I mean, we we kept it, it, it was just predictable. Okay, so that's number one. So we're going to talk about predictability. Uh, situation. Now, now these are all the things that put the offensive line at a disadvantage. Okay, because I'm I'm tired of hearing it. I hear it all the time. Every time we lose a game, or or you, you know we don't we don't get a hundred yard rusher, or we have five sacks, it's the whole line's fault automatically. Right. So, situation. We're constantly in third and long. We all know. That's a defensive down. It's a defensive down. The defense knows you're going to throw the ball, right? It puts the offensive line at a disadvantage. They 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 pin their ears back. You're talking to a guy here, right? Who who went against Cortez Kennedy, Russell Maryland, you know, Dan Stubbs, Bill Hawkins, Greg Mark, Jimmy Jones, Willis Willis McGee, right? And I got a Hall of Famer in, on that list, right? So mm-hmm. these guys are fierce. Pass rushers, right? So imagine, imagine lining up in front of Cortez Kennedy on third and fifteen, right? You're one on one. Do you want to be in that situation? Does anyone want to be in that situation? Right? Okay. So you understand what I'm saying? You understand where I'm going there? Third and long. You know, if you're constantly in that down, uh, it puts the offensive line at a disadvantage because they're they're. You, you know, you're in retreat mode the whole time. Okay, so so let's go to uh, uh, what's the next one? Uh, predictability, right? First down, what do we do? I mean, I don't know. I don't know whether you say they run. They've, they've mixed it up. I, I just, no, no, let's, no, get no, to, no. let's get more specific. Most of the time, what, about, what about run blocking? Talk about the run blocking because that's a big deal. You know, okay, you've got so, four so, guys playing positions that didn't even play six months ago. Okay, again, that's that's the point I'm getting to. So predictability. First down, we run the ball, right? Most of the time, most of the time. Okay, if the quarter, uh, okay, if the quarterback's in shotgun, right, and a running back is to his left, where is he going to hand the ball off to? Where's the running back going to go? Let, let me to the right. Get it right. Thank you. Man, that ain't, that's that's not that's not a rocket science offense. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's to the left. He that's the only place the running back can go. Is to the right. He hands it off. He he's going to the right. So so again, if you look at all of our national championship teams, right? We weren't a huge offensive line. You know, we didn't have three hundred and fifty pound guys. We weren't Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State, those type of offensive lines. We were a finesse. You know, uh, athletic offensive line. So we were able to zone block. So again, that goes into the scheme again, what I talked about earlier, right? What type of offense are you trying to develop? If you want to run the ball, you got to build your offensive line to run the ball. That's my point. 
Okay. So so that go that goes into my next that goes into my next uh 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 issue is positioning. Navon Donaldson is not a tackle. Now now in 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 defense of him, I know he's out there to help the team because we really don't have anyone else to step up at right tackle. Right? But you look at what LSU did to him, you know, they put a they bought a safety on him. He he can't get out there. He's just not athletic enough to get out there. So if you're going to run the ball, you put the beef in the middle and you run the damn ball. So you can't have it. So what I'm saying is you can't have it both ways. You can't you can't try to be a great running team and you're not even a great passing team yet. So, so, hey, just so um, just FYI, I just I just went back through the LSU play by play, and uh, they were pretty much fifty fifty right. on first down. Okay, okay, so okay, okay, so maybe that changed. Maybe that changed a little bit. Well, maybe because they were getting blown out, they were throwing the ball on first down. That, yep, those stats yeah. could be skewed, Gary. That's yeah, true. That, yeah, that's true. And I'm not going to even look at yeah, last week because last week's meaningless. <laughs> No, yeah, but, he's, but, exactly. but I think he's right. I, 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 Claude's on onto something here. Obviously, there's guys out of position. So, what would it take to? What would you think? Because Gary was bringing up the fact that some of these young offensive linemen maybe should be playing, or are they experienced? Why not move Donaldson back to the right guard and let Scaife play right tackle and keep St. Louis out on the left side? I don't think you could put Scaife on, on, on the left side right now. I think it's but too late. What about someone like? Because he's very athletic. He's got light feet. Right. No, 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 no. Okay. So again. That all sounds good. That all sounds good. You know, okay, he's got quick feet. Okay, can you know? Can he get out there and, and block uh, 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 a number ten from Houston? What's his name? Um, uh, the star defensive Oliver? tackle. I forgot his name. Yeah, Oliver. Isn't it Oliver? Can he yeah. block Oliver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That all sounds good until you get Oliver in front of him. Okay, so can he play? I don't know. I don't know. So obviously he can't if Donaldson's out there right tackle. I love St. Louis at the left at the left tackle. Our center our center is uh is is is, is uh tight. You know, but but we got to do something. We got to do something to kind of mix it up. If you want to be a better running team, you gotta you gotta put the offensive lineman in the position of the strength. So, right, Claude. Hey, let let let's let's get you to talk about this. Okay, so they've got these young kids. Yeah. That yeah. they've recruited because Mark mm-hmm. Mark Rick he inherited a horrible situation at at O'Lion. I think we could all agree on that. So they've got right. these young kids they've recruited, and you know the question I get asked all the time is they don't have a, one of these young kids isn't better than Jahair Jones, you know, and and, and you know it's a, it's a good question. But the, the the thing that I'd like you to talk about is how difficult is it for kids to come out of high school. And be ready to play the offensive line at the college level. Oh, it's very difficult because the speed of the game is different. Now, I just gave you a list of guys, right? Yeah. Now imagine, now imagine being 18 years old, 18, 19 years old, right? You come out to practice every day, and those are the guys you're going against. So, so it, it sometimes it comes down to the level of competition you're facing every day in practice that gets you ready to play. And and those guys got me ready to play. Those guys made helped me to develop as an offensive lineman. So because every day in practice you were playing the best the, the 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 best that there is in college football. Exactly, the best of the best. So that got me better. 
And that's no knock against, you know, the guys they have out there on defense. Well, now, they don't have that now. No, no, that's not a knock. They right, they right. do not have that now. <laughs> that that is that right. is flat truth. Right, right. But 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 the point is the the college game is different. So, you know, I, I was an all American in high school and let me tell you something. I was humble quick. <laughs> I was humble quick when I put that helmet on I put and I go out of my first practice and Bill Hawkins and Dan Stubbs are whipping my ass. You know, so uh it, it it's different. Total different level. So you don't think the kids could play right now. They're stuck with what they're stuck with. So if you I don't they, know. Let, I, just, I, I, I do don't you know how to the ball more and then running but, after we set up after we're throwing, we should be able to set it up to, to run the ball. But to come out and try to run the ball with eight and nine in the box, it's just not going to fly. You can't run the ball. You right. can't. That's, that's what, that's, and that's what I'm telling everyone, right? Okay, the predictability leads, uh, leads to what the defense is going to give you. Okay, so if they know you're going to run the first down or if, 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 if they know your quarterback's anemic, right? Okay, we're going to stand the box. You can't run the ball. It's a mismatch, Right. Now we got you in third and long. We just stacked you on 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 second down. Now we got you in third and long. Now now here comes the blitz. That's what LSU did. You know, so 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 you got to put you got to put these guys in a situation to win. And, and you put all these things together. That's why the offensive line is 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 uh you know up against the wall. Well, obviously, if you're saying that we're constantly in third and long, then somebody's screwing up on first and second down. I personally believe that Nikosi Perry is the quarterback for this team. And I'm not basing it on a lot, but I'm basing it on what I see out of Rozier, like many of these callers. From what I saw the other day, he has the ability to get out of that pocket and make things happen, whether he's running the ball or on that one touchdown pass that he threw to, to uh, the tight end where he saw somebody covered in the flat and he just dumped it over in the goal line and uh, a touchdown. So I, I think he Uh-oh. has those abilities that Rozier just doesn't have. I think he got to let him play, and if he makes mistakes, he makes mistakes. But that's how I see it. Yeah, and, you know, I listened, to, I listened into the call earlier, you know, that, that coaches prefer, you know, experience. Sometimes over talent, I, uh, huh, Nick Saban didn't. No, not in the title game either. Right, that's true. Not, not in the title game. I mean, he 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 chose to make a decision. Sometimes you got to create chaos to create change. So if if he's got somebody pushing him and he's worried about his job, oh, trust me, that's that's going to lead to better performance. So I don't know. I I, I just don't know because I haven't seen the coach play. You know, and I don't know if he's good enough. He hasn't beat out Rozier yet, so what's the problem? Um, the problem may have initials that we know, so I don't really know what the answer is. Anyway, so well, I know Gary wants to talk I mean, about uh, – go ahead, Gary. I was going to say, you know, Claude, I, I assume you would agree with what, I, with, with what I'm saying, that it, when Mark Richt has a conviction that one of the kids is better than Malik, he's going to make – he would make a switch. So, like, you know – I don't it, know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, he didn't recruit Malik Rosner. He inherited him. Right, I got it. But he may feel that's his best chance to win. Now, could it be? Oh, there's again, no question he feels. There's no question he feels it's his best chance to win. He said that, exactly. and he's so, shown and he's shown that yeah. by his actions of going to war with Malik again this year, after they lost the last three games last year. 
I don't want to beat a dead horse, guys, but Claude, you know, because we watch the games together all the time, although we haven't seen Perry play. You know, when, when Perry's going against the one defense, for the most part, Gary, for the most part, and Rozier's going against the two defense, look, how fair is that to, to, to uh, the coach Perry? Fair. Here's why it's out. fair, Bruce. Bruce, here's why it's fair. It's giving Mark Richt an accurate read on where Nicozy Perry is. Does that make sense? If you if you're no, putting the coach, you, you already know on, you know like, what you have I'd in like Malik. See, I'd like to see Rozier go against our one defense. And see well, what, you know what, what, what but you know what you have in Malik. Malik played all last okay. year. You know what he is. You know what you have. If you're trying to develop Nikozi Perry, the best way to develop him is to put him against your best in practice. So I I really didn't have as big a problem with that as some people did. I don't see a lot of difference that a lot of our positions between the first and second team when you're talking about receivers and DBs and, and you know. The you saw it on like that, that one play against LSU. You saw the difference. Well, it was yeah. was pretty bad yeah. that a 50-yard run. All yeah. I'm saying is if Rozier's going against our two defense, of course he's going to look better than him. He may look better than Joe Namath. I don't really know. The point is that this kid is, from what we saw the other day, there's not much difference except for the experience factor. But the upside on Perry is, is so significantly greater than Rozier. Uh, listen, I'm just going to say this right now because I don't really get into the prediction game. I think he's going to struggle against Toledo, and I think Perry does come into the game for Miami and wins the game. I don't have any confidence in Rozier. Zero. I don't care what Mark Rick says. That's just my opinion. I think Mark Rick is right on that ragged edge. I think that LSU game was was a game changer for him. He's not going to say this, of course. I think he's right on that ragged edge. I think he's waiting to feel that Nicozy Perry, in this case, is better than Malik Rozier. But I don't think – I think he's an he's a, a experienced enough coach that he's not – and I've said this right. over and over. He's not going to manufacture the situation. He's not going to convince himself of something that he doesn't feel exists. So I agree. Um, no, he's, we'll see what happens there. You're not saying but, he's better than him or he deserves to play. I mean, if Rozier just plays himself out of a position. And Perry still might not be ready, but if Rozier's at the point where I can't take this anymore, you got to put the kid in. Let him play. Let him play through. Look at Blackman last year. Did he expect to play? No, but he he did pretty good. He took some beatings. Okay, and that's another situation, and that's another situation that you're going to see a change. Watch what I tell you, eventually. But uh, you know, going back to us, I, I just think that you know this is year three, right? We can't we you, you can't sometimes you can't stay with the status quo, you know it. it, it you know, we got to do something different to get a spark going. I'm looking at these guys, and, we're, you know, we're supposedly in the no huddle, you know. Uh, guys are kind of walking around. Where's the leadership? Where's the hustle? You know, it, we, we're supposed to be in a hurry up. You know, it's, it, it was getting close to the half. There's like a minute and a half uh, uh, left before halftime. Guys were kind of walking around, we were, and, and we wanted to run the ball. That's another thing. Sometimes we get a little bit too conservative instead of going going for the kill, you know. So all these things lead into those factors that, that make it difficult. I just think that sometimes you got to put somebody in to get a spark. Is he that spark? I don't know, but let's see. Let's all right, Claude, before, um, before we end this segment, I, I, I do need to have you elaborate a little bit on the legend of Claude Jones at Sicilian Oven Pizza Restaurants in South Florida. And, and I've, heard, I've heard that at the Aventura location, they have a picture of you up on the wall 
because you eat more chicken wings than anybody else in town. So uh, tell us a little bit about your dining experiences at Sicilian Oven. Which don't uh, lie, coincidentally, Caesar's the one. It's Caesar, not Claude. Caesar ate sixty wings. I don't believe it. I don't believe Caesar out eats Claude. I was, I was there, and Debbie was there. Yeah, so yeah, I saw it. Yeah, right, Claude. Yeah. What do you think about the the restaurant that we go to? Oh, it's great. You know, the service is great. You know, they treat us like kings, and and the food the food is excellent. So, uh, I, you know, I have no problems. As a matter of fact, that's what I ate tonight for dinner. It's Sicilian oven. No lie. Well, yeah, it, it, vocal one. Yeah, you went to the vocal the vocal right location. And, uh, no, it's one right here at uh at the Brown Mall. Oh, the plantation location. Oh, yeah, we. Uh, yeah. yeah, I go to that one. I had lunch yep. there the other day, and you know it's funny because the guys on mm-hmm. there who listen to the show they hear us talking about this Sicilian oven now every week because they're the presenting sponsor of the show, and. I just started eating there the last few weeks. I mean, it, 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 you know, Bruce introduced me to it, and I was like, "Wow!" This now, now I go now I, yeah. I go there one or two times a week. I mean, the the, the food there is exactly. phenomenal, and uh, so yeah, it's good to hear that everyone's enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, and we watched right. the road games from here too. When, when yeah. All right, guys. Well, guys let me. Great, great, um, great having you on, Claude. Great conversation, Bruce. Um, thank thank you for coming on and. Um, and making this segment every week happen. And uh, we'll be back again next week with another Sicilian oven point counterpoint. Uh, A lot of great points made tonight. So uh, Claude, come back anytime you want. uh, Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. I'll call you in a minute. All right. Bye. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys. All right. 563-999-3633 is the number. 563 Nine 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 three six three three. You hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. And let's go out now to the nine four one. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how you doing, bud? Doing great. Who's this? Uh, this is Mikester Kane from Fort Charles. Hey, what's up, Mikester? Doing good. What's up, man? Talk to us. Hey, well here. Okay. Let me set the record straight here. I know a lot of these callers are saying about Malik Rozier's playing and all this. All right. But first of all, let me say this, okay? I think I think I told everyone on the show last year that I was a former assistant coach from a high school football alumni. I coached wide receivers in the early 90s. And as a former coach, I can tell you this, okay? If Malik Rozier has to be the starter, he has to be the starter. If this is the best that they've got right now, this is the best that they've got, okay? I just don't feel that Nikosi Perry is able to read defenses yet. He needs to do a better job on reading the defense. And I think that's why Mark Rick, you know, isn't ready to just pull the plug on Malik yet. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I, yeah, I've been saying that for the last three weeks. I get yelled at and and everyone wants to beat me up and all that. But, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, you and I share the same opinion. I, I don't think that Mark Richt is discriminating against anybody. I think he would love to have a better quarterback. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But you just can't pull it out of thin air. You know, no. you, can't, you can't produce that. Malik Rozier is what they've got, and that's it. It's what they've got. And the same thing holds true with the offensive line. I know everybody's speaking us up about that, too, but – you know, this this is an inherited mess, you know, and, and the coaching staff 
they just they're doing their best. You know, from my from my point of view, they're doing the best that they can to maximize their performance, and that's all you can do until you can develop the younger guys and get them up to speed to play the game. You know, because from high school to college, no doubt. it's a lot faster. It's much faster. It's 100 miles an hour compared to 10 miles an hour in high school. So that's what I know. No what doubt. What think? else you got? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. What else you got tonight? Well, first things first, you know, my prayers go out to the Carolinas, you know, uh, for the hurricane. Um, I'm wishing them all the best. And uh, I think that's, oh, yeah, yeah, I think that's it for now. So, um, All right, Mikester, give us yeah. a call next week. Thanks for being right, part of the you show. Bet. All the best for the Toledo game. All right. You got it, man. We'll talk to you next week. Let's go to the uh, nine seven three. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, Gary, Gary. What's up, Mr. Ross? What's going? On? What's going on, man? Listen, it's going, man. Good show. Good show. Hey, very good show. Um, the offensive lineman guy that you had on was getting somewhere. He just didn't Claude come Jones. out with it. He was, he was getting there. He just felt like he didn't want to come out and just say it. Everybody oh, he has no problem saying anything. He, he wasn't, he wasn't guy, pulling any punches. And the guy that you just had on just before me, Mike Stur- he's protecting. Yeah. Co- he's, pre- he's protecting. Oh, coaches. that's reality, oh. Ross. I'm he's, telling you, what Mikester just said is reality. Gary. He's protecting coach, and I get it. I'm not going to get no, into it this week because you, you kicked me off the you kicked me off you kicked me off the show last week. You kicked me, got I didn't me out kick of you off quick. the show. It's just I can't let you go on and on for 20 minutes. But I mean, it was, you know, because it was about it was about Rosier. That's why. No, I don't have any bias towards Rosier. I have a bias towards uh, winning. I want to see the Miami Hurricanes win. Okay. Here's my and whoever Mark here's Rick my. thinks gives him the best chance to win, he he's welcome to parade him out there. Listen, I'm I'm trying. I I got all my thoughts together and I I got it down and I'm I'm Go ready ahead, to man. get at it and give it and to get, us. But Go. here's the thing. We're here. You guys start talking about something and now I got to I got to I got to attack what you guys were just talking about. Nikoshi Perry is not ready. He can't read defense. Okay, he's a red shirt freshman. That means he cannot read the defense, and that's your fault as coaches. Again, that's your fault as coaches. Let's move on. All right. Now here in the Hey, Gary. Is it always? Wait, no wait, 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 wait. Just one, one, one question. It's always sure. the coach's fault? Is it always the coach's yeah. fault? You know why? I mean, maybe the kid, maybe the kid what, what, isn't mature. Maybe the kid was a little immature. Maybe he didn't put the work into it that he needed to. Did you ever, like, you know, it's not always the coach's deficient. Well, the other guy, see, I'm, I'm, I'm different from the, some of the callers. But the other redshirt freshman that you have, can he read defense? He's not Cade? immature. Are so you talking about Cade? Yeah. Cade or, yeah, so not, or well, Jaren. Jaren's a true freshman. He's, he's, he's things are spinning more about, for him than about, anybody. I'm not talking about him. We're not jumping to him. I'm not going Cade to Weldon? do that. Yes. Is, Cade he, is he ready to read the, Yes. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that Nikozi's not. You know, Mark Rick's not going to sit there and tell us that, you know, exactly what he thinks about each guy. He's not so going to. So now we're to, going but, back. Okay. So that's one. And that's two guys you don't have ready. So now you have two immature guys or two guys who can't read the defense. Again, that's a coaching 
problem. Well, I can tell you they both had maturity. They both had maturity issues, which is not a surprise for their 18-year-old kids coming out of high school. Do you have kids, Ross, or what's? I don't know what your deal is. We did. But let me tell you something. I've had 18-year-old kids. They're immature as hell. They're immature all over the country too. They're right. getting on the field. And but some are more deep. mature than others. Trevor Lawrence at okay. Clemson is as mature, is mature an 18-year-old as I, I mean, I've, I've seen. Different, different type of situation. Different type of situation. He has a defense that he, he, he has yeah. in his background. He has wait a minute, He has a defense that's to protect his mistakes. He has certain guys. That's how all Americans foster that can protect his mistakes. We're not going to bring him up. We're not going to do this to the audience. We're not going to do this again, Gary. We're not going to keep making mistakes, and we're not going to keep making excuses. I want to get to a point, because – a lot of guys feel like I feel. Go ahead, Jeff. Let me get to my points. Okay, so we're sitting up here, and we're in Miami. I'm a diehard fan, man. And I got to listen to guys calling in, and you agreeing with them with, yeah, we're playing Toledo. We got to watch out for their offense. We got. Are you kidding me, man? Are you kidding Gary, we should roll in there. That's what I just said. I said that. I've said that multiple times tonight. They don't have the athletes to stay with 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 what Miami's bringing on offense. And their offense really shouldn't score thirteen to seven. They have a system. They have a system. They have a system. We they they should they can do some things on offense. Let's be fair. They're a good offensive team. That's what we coming to shut that down. We they should be intimidated by us. We should go in there defensively and shut it down from the knock knock, not from the gate. Does all this talk about we are this they got an offense and they can throw nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Okay, let's move on to another point. Okay. Like you said, the guy that you had on be said. We are mismatching on the offensive line. We 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 don't have this guy here, we don't have that guy here. Again, to me, that's them scared to play certain guys that they have bought in on their own. Put some guys in place and let them play. Because, yes, Jair Jones, me and you have been talking about him since day one. The kid is not I thought he was going to be a transfer. So now there's a guy, he has a quarterback that he told he would never play for him, and he has a guy that should have been a transfer already that's part of this offense. You see where I'm going with all this guy? Yeah. It's unfair. It's unfair for them to keep doing this to us. And now, listen to this one. Listen to this one. So now we got to listen to him after practice today. They're talking about his balance. So you're telling me we have drones that's flying over practice every day, drones all over the place. Yeah, but remember, they don't they don't hit the quarterbacks at practice. So he's not getting the look at practice they that he got. Pressure. They, send, they send pressure. They but not like you saw at the LSU game. Not like you saw at the okay. LSU game. Okay, and then before the LSU game, so they didn't pick out that. So all the other games that he lost and looked bad, and when we won it, he looked bad. His balance wasn't off then? Not that I don't know. But I, oh. I know he was running for his life a lot in Dallas. But you see what I'm getting at. You have a guy that called in and said he's a mastermind. He's like what you call a, a sensei. He's, he, he's trying to get on the air and tell you, well, we're going to take care of this this week. We have a duck at the quarterback position. That's all I'm saying. I'm not calling him. I apologize to his parents. This is football. It's not personal. He's a duck. And because he gets the ball, he looks at his first read. It's not there. He ducks and he runs. I'd rather watch my freshmen do that, my redshirt freshmen, both of them. I'd rather them doing it than him. 
Because, okay, and you made a point about the offensive line that we can't recruit offensive line, and I get it, Gary. But guess what? You know what I went and did? I went and looked at UCF, South Florida, and some of these other schools. That's in Florida, Florida State. And I'm looking. You know where they're getting the offensive line from? Georgia, Florida, Central Florida, anywhere they could get them from. Get, but not South Florida. Should be able to, it doesn't. Guess what? It, okay, so you just. So it does matter, Ross. Should, it does matter. Because Florida and Florida so, State so, have inherent advantages so with the in get, the northern part of the state. So I'm saying that there's athletic. not a lot in South Florida. Okay, we're fine with that. But where is our recruiting? Because if UCF could go out there and get athletic offensive linemen, and Gary, they are, because I watched their game, because I'm trying to see where we're at compared to certain guys and certain teams. They got athletic offensive linemen that's getting a job that we can't do that. You know what? Again, that's a coaching well, situation. I mean, Ross, let's use this year as an example. I mean, there's one offensive lineman from the Tri-County area that's even being recruited, and he doesn't know if he's an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. That's Renato Brown at Palm Beach Central. You know, Agreed. so, you know, there's just not a lot of them. Okay, Garrett, we're past that. We are agreeing. We are agreeing about this. There's not a okay. lot in South Florida. But where is this guy? What? When we talk about the offensive lineman coach, what's his moxie? What, what can he hang his coat on? Garrett, help me out here. You should know him a little bit better than we do. What is this guy for a take? What does he, is, he a, is he a technician on the offensive line? Because we're not seeing it. Or is he a master recruiter? Because we're not seeing that either. So now, is he in between? Because that's what we're getting. If you want my vote, I'm getting the in between. I'm not getting the, the technician on the offensive line, and I'm not getting the recruiter. I'm getting the in between, and the in between is not good enough. Well, how do we know we're not getting the te- technician? Okay, because we're, we're talking about breakdowns. We're talking about can't figure this guy out. The guys that he's recruited himself, we can't get them on the field. So he's not getting it done in practice, putting the confidence in yeah, the Yeah, most of them are first-year players, Ross. Well, what, okay, okay. First-year players this year. What about, the, what about the guys he bought in last year? When do you call this bought this up and you kind of like skimmed over it? Yeah. No, I'm yeah. not skimming over it. They, they, they haven't gotten to first team yet. In fact, they, in fact, they have been passed up largely for second team. It's it's so the listen, true freshmen that are on second we're team. We're Golden, and he should get he should get every blame in the world. But we need to blame him too because he's not bringing. That means he's not bringing in the proper guy to develop. At this point, right now, if you're a redshirt um, offensive lineman, you should be able to come in and play in front of Jones because Jones is garbage, garbage, not garbage, garbage. Okay, he's garbage. So here's my thing, Gary. We're going to go up into Toledo. We're going to take advantage. If we're not doing that, we're not getting the job done as coaches. I'm putting everything on my four, $4 million, $5 million head coach. Love him to death, and I really do. You know I like you know I like Barbara. But at some point, we got to start holding guys accountable. There shouldn't be no talk about this or talk about that. We should go in there and roll these guys. Fair enough. Fair enough, and let's see what happens, and then we'll talk about that next week. All right, what else you got? You got another minute or two, so so give us what else is on your list. No, no here, here's, here's, Come on, here's empty the list. Go, go, go. I, I, I am. Here's, here's another thing, too. We're talking about um, offensive schemes, and the guy that you had on, he, he, he brought it up again. So, Gary, you sometimes try to deflect that. Say, what, why would you want to do this, an offensive motion all that? Again. I never say that. I don't have any well, problem with motion. You, I don't well, have any problem with 
Well, let me get let me get my minute in. The position that you're saying, and, and I'm gonna be a little unfair here. You're gonna attack me. You're telling me that he's he, he's keeping his son on just to keep his son because you're telling me you don't know what he is no. or what he's not. That means I you know said that I have guys? no basis to judge John Rick, and I don't. You know I have what, zero you know basis. You know, because you know the guy that, that I consider coaching the quarterbacks is Mark Rick, and Mark Rick yeah, calling the plays, and I have no basis to judge John Rick. The only opinion I have is I think that Mark would benefit, however he makes this happen, I think he would benefit from having an experienced veteran offensive mind up in the press box on game day. Okay, helping well, him, say this, helping him look at the defense from, you know, from outside the heat of the battle, so to speak, and, and helping him work through that. That's all I've yeah, said. Just looking at uh, everything, because we, we, we could go back to where the, he missed the, 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 the throwing the, throwing the ref, throwing the, going for, uh, what do you call it, um, looking at the, the play over. That was missed. But let me just make this point, because I want to make this point. I want to make this point more than anything else that I want to do tonight. If you're okay, telling me you're not point, sure, yes, last, last point. If you're telling me you're not sure what he is or what he's not, that means he's a labeled coach, meaning that he has a title. That means right now we're wasting that position. We are. We have a guy that's being wasted, and we could have given that to somebody else. Because if he's just there as the coach's son, that means we are wasting money on a guy that can't produce for us one way or the other. Well, I don't think words. they look at it that way, Ross. I think they look at it as he's in charge of the quarterback. <laughs> But he's not getting the court. So you just said it. We need we need a, we need better guys. He's being he's being wasted right now, and we're wasting our time with him. You could find other things to give to him and give him other responsibilities. Don't label him a quarterback coach, and a quarterback coach can't read defense. Your words, Gary. Thank you for the time. I'm I never letting up on this. <laughs> so, All right, Ross. You're not going to say, but we're going. <laughs> I didn't cut you off, Ross, but I did not say what you just said. But uh, I love your calls every week, though. We'll talk to you again next week. Let's go to the 954. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Are you with us? 954, going once, going twice. All right, next time. Let's go to the 318. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's going on, Gary? Hey, you know oh, we're having you a- had the doctor on. I know, but you <laughs> had the doctor on just a second ago. You need yep. to get him to write a script for all these Kane fans and for them uh, for panic because they were just in panic mode like I've never seen before. I mean, absolutely <laughs> panicking. I mean, after two games. And my question to them or to anybody, do you want a team playing their best ball the first two games or in the middle of the season toward the championship round? I'd rather have my team playing championship ball later on and maybe this team is just a work in progress and, they, you know, there's some things that they got to work out. I did go to the game in Dallas. I was sorely disappointed. I had some great tickets. But I was with my wife, and I didn't get a chance to get down there and say hey to you. But uh, it wasn't a great experience. But, you know, even in that game, I felt like that our coaching staff and that our players just panicked. And even on that 50-yard play, it doesn't matter how good a team you are. If you lose gap integrity, they can help. And that's what happened in that play. But uh, we just lost gap integrity, you know, and uh, they busted a big play on us. So, you know, but uh, I just want to make a couple of points and then I'm going to let uh, – that was my first point was about I wanted them to be playing better ball toward the end of the season. The next thing of it is is that this is not a methodical team. It's an explosive team. And I don't think that Malik some of the time – gives his explosive players the opportunity to make big plays. I'd like to see him 
you know, put the ball, you know, when you get one-on-one matchup, put it in the hands of Njoku and Mallory and the rest of those big guys, and I think they would have did better than that LSU game if they did that. But the next thing, and my last point is, is this right here, is that everybody's talking about the players that we have, how bad they are, this, and et cetera. It was opportunities in that uh, in that LSU game, and the real thing about it was Malik has got to keep his eyes down the field. If he keeps his eyes down the field, he can make some plays. And my last point is this right here. We revolutionize this this team if we get Tyreek Stevenson, Akeem Dent, Darnell Wright, and Neil on this team. And that's all we really need. If we do that, then we all of a sudden are a different team and that guys just can't panic. Just can't panic. Got to stand and got to deliver. But, hey, man, you have a blessed night, Gary. Great points. You're absolutely right. You know, you got to keep those elite guys in South Florida. And that's the one area that's lacking right now. And and that's the difference. That's the, that's the difference maybe between beating LSU and not beating LSU. You know, if you're putting Tyson Campbell out on the field instead of Javante Dean, who – I mean, I thought he, I thought he was responsible for two touchdowns himself personally, but like it makes a big difference. So you know, you're so right. And I thought your point about gap integrity was a great point too. Uh, I was just you know re- um, replying to somebody on the message board at canesport.com about that particular subject as it pertained to Nesta Silvera. And you know, now we're like we watched Nesta Silvera beat the crap out of a guy in the blocking wedge, and now oh my God, he's got to play more. He's got to play more. And you know, yes, he he holds so much promise for that position because I have not been impressed with Bethel. I have not been impressed with Ford. And, you know, N- Nesta Silvera provides hope that maybe as the season goes on, you can get a guy that can make things happen out on the field. But if they put him out there before they, again, it's just like the quarterbacks. If they put him out there before they feel he is ready to do it, now what happens when he loses that gap integrity and a guy goes 50 yards? Like what happened when they put Bradley yeah. Jennings on the field and, and, against LSU? And, and Gary, you just got to stop panicking. Even in that game, I mean, I felt like we just panicked. You can't panic at the beginning of the season. Look at last night. Sam Donald's first, first throw was a pick six. But after that, he stood and delivered and played better. And it's just like you, you, you got a small serving size, and all of a sudden you want to condemn the team to being that it takes time. It takes time for people to jail. It takes time for this team to get better. And you know what? If you're in it for the long haul, you're just in it for the long haul. And I ain't worried about the beginning. I'm worried about how it ends. And, and believe it or not, that team that we have, if they at their best, they literally scared of a Jesus out of Clemson. Because on their back four, they can't handle that kind of talent. If, if you just have a stalemate up front and they hit them with some explosive plays and you get them out of their nature and they got to make some plays, even if they bring the new guy in, it's a different game. It's a whole different game. But, hey, man, I just want you to have a blessed night, brother. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. And just to add on to what he was talking about, I, you know, I think a lot of what happened in Dallas was – you had such high expectations going into this season. And a lot of it was fueled by the fan base, but 
you had a football team. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a football team that felt better about itself going into a season as, as this one did. I'd have to go all the way back to the early 2000s when Miami was the best team in college football. I mean, these guys felt good about what they were doing and what they were bringing to the table. And I think when LSU busted that that play and, and took that 10-3 lead, I think he's right. I think there was panic. I think it was, oh, my God, what's going on here? These guys are beating us. These guys are better than what we thought. Oh, my God. And, and I do think there was a little bit of panic involved. So uh, I thought um, he made some great points. And uh, give us a call again next week. All right, guys, let me take a moment here real quick just to tell you more about one of the best and rapidly expanding dining concepts in South Florida, and that is Sicilian Oven. You hear us talking about it on the show this year over and over and over again. Yes, they are the presenting sponsor of the show. But I can tell you from experience, as I've said, that the food at Sicilian Oven is top-notch. And uh, there's hundreds of places around town where any of us can go that live in here in South Florida. We can go eat pizza in so many places. There's a pizza place on almost every corner. But there is no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has six locations throughout South Florida. At Sicilian Oven, they offer a new way of dining using uh, the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu that is full of recipes that have been handed down from generations through the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. And uh, it begins with classic pizzas with traditional toppings, expands to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you'll find at the nearest corner, Papa John's or Domino's, trust me, okay? If you love wings, we, you heard us talking about how all the former players, they go to Sicilian Oven, they don't go for pizza. They go to have wing eating contests. And uh, Mark Caesar faces off with Claude Jones and Sapp gets into the mix. And um, I, I think they've got something planned for the Friday before the FSU game. And I'll make sure that those of you going to be in South Florida know about it. So in case you want to pop out the Sicilian oven and watch these guys just plow through platters of chicken wings, um, it might be somewhat entertaining for the night before the game. But um Sicilian Oven's wood-fired rings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and served with caramelized onions. And, uh, man, they're really good. I had them for lunch the other day. And they offer a wide variety of specialty dishes from eggplant to mussels to fire-roasted shrimp palermo. They have soups, sandwiches, salads, pasta. No matter your taste, you're going to find something great to eat at Sicilian Oven with six locations throughout South Florida. On your way to or from Hard Rock Stadium, you can go to the Plantation location, which is at the Fountains Complex off University Drive. Or you can go to that Aventura location we've been talking about at 205th and Biscayne. There are locations at Lighthouse Point, Coral Springs on Sample Road, and 101st and in Boca Raton. No, I'm sorry, the Coral Springs location on Sample Road and 101st and also in Boca Raton. And the new location on Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale, has a full liquor bar. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven, SicilianOven.com. You will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. And like I always say, I cannot recommend those guys enough. Great, great place to go eat. All right, let's get back to your calls. We got a bunch to plow through here in the final 50 minutes or so of show. Let's go to the 757. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 
Man, let me tell you something. I ain't even gonna get into it, Gary. Everybody, <clears throat> people are joke. I'm just gonna say what I gotta say. People can say what the hell they want. The best quarterback on the team. Every time I read something, he's saying something about it. it's Jared Williams. He don't want to play him. I can understand that. Why not? Go ahead and play him four games and then use him. I'm going to tell you why I believe he's the best player. Fuck that. He is the best quarterback on the team. I ain't got nothing against Perry. I didn't get to see well ESPN3 was cutting up. When the man comes out the huddle, now I ain't seen none of our quarterbacks do this. And I ain't never seen Rosier do this, that I recall. Williams came up to the line. It was a pass play. He was pointing out certain things. And I'm going to tell you just like this. If he didn't know what the hell he was doing, he damn sure made it look good to me. He was pointing out, telling his offensive line, look at this one, or check this one. I don't know what he was saying, but he was pointing. He was looking at the defense. That man got that moxie. Something about that joker, man. He a big motherfucker. I didn't know he was that big. Excuse my friend. That's a big boy. Just like Rich said, the touchdown that he ran, he was supposed to give it to Burns. But he ran it in. I like his demeanor. He scored a touchdown, walked out the sideline, whatever. Now, okay, that's done with it. That's my opinion. Everybody got it. Now, this shit about we um, – they really got flabbergasted when LSU ran that 50-yard touchdown. Hey, that's weak. That's very weak. You are a football team. It happens. How you let yourself say, oh, the 50-yard run, we can't regroup. That falls on everybody, players, coaches, everybody. You know it, and everybody that knows sports out there knows that falls on everybody. You can't just be like, damn, we down. And I ain't even going to bring up other teams. You don't do that. You, you're supposed to be players, man. Everybody get down in the game. But you're right. Nope, they didn't even bounce back. There's no fight. They got to be better than this, man. We have to do better than this. And, yeah, I'm in that zone with the hurricane and stuff, and I hope everybody in South Carolina, I just seen on the news, they're talking about 30 to 40 inches of rain. Hell, you might not even see South Carolina get hit like that. I hope nobody <laughs> gets hit bad. Nobody. But, like I said, man, now, with Rosier, now I'm just going to ask you, if he has a bad outing with Toledo, now you best believe we lose to Toledo. Damn season over. You might as well play everybody. You you can play quarterback. It don't make a difference because if you lose two, ain't no championship. I know we still have our goals in sight, the ACC. Man, forget it. Ride or die. That's what the U is about. Play your boys. Play everybody. Weldon, Perry, Williams. But I think he's going to use Williams only for four games because my honest opinion Williams will be a starting quarterback next year, hands down. I ain't got no more to say. And Tim, that damn chain. Why they had to change the chain, Gary? Stick with the U. I don't want the Pelican. The U was it's my It's called star. money, Kane Kane. It's called oh, money. Called T-shirts, money. chains. Oh, oh, it's all no, about yeah, money. Yeah. I don't know. Don't nobody do it better than the 305. Ride or die. Hey, y'all be saving. Let's speak Toledo. You know what? Till next week. Take care. I'm out. All right, Kane Kane. Thanks, as always, for the call. I think he makes some great points about Jaron Williams. I, too, think there's a great chance that Jaron Williams ends up being the best guy by next fall. I don't think he's going to be the best guy this year. I, I think he needs this year to learn. I think he needs this year to mature. I think he will get his red shirt this year. He'll be a red shirt freshman next year. And if he's as good as they think he is, you might have a quarterback for four seasons in Jaron Williams. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, that's that, I think that's the blueprint. Uh, unless Nicosi you know, steps forward here, but, you know, but they, these guys got a tight window. Somebody has got to step forward in the next few months, in my opinion, or I think Mark Rick's going to go shopping on the aftermarket, but you know, we'll see how it goes. All right. Five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three, hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, let's go to the four, one, nine. You're live on Kane sport live. Who's this? Uh, this is Maurice. I'm from Toledo actually. What's up, Maurice? 
Nah, I'm a dark. I think that's a point that I'd like to bring up. It's kind of funny you bring up that LSU game, that 50-yard burst. I was sitting here watching that particular play, and you could see we tipped our blitz off. And Burrow obviously was smart enough to audible out of his play. You could see him go right to the line. Audible yes. Out. They were waiting for that blitz. 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 Yep. Yes, and it was brilliant. It was a brilliant move. And obviously the quarterback is seasoned. He's well coached, and he's a first-year starter. He's a, he's a transfer from Ohio State, actually. And – you know, we're talking about the Toledo game. I know quite a bit about Toledo because obviously I see them quite a bit here. And it, my head tells me we should win that game. I mean, Vegas doesn't think much of us. We're only 10-point favorites in that, in that game, which, which really isn't much considering that's a mid-major school. It's breaking in a new quarterback. I mean, their quarterback last year was drafted in the NFL. So, you know, obviously they think nothing of it. And I'm hearing a couple of callers saying we should blow Toledo out. We should do this. Listen, I'll be happy if we get out of there with a dang win. Uh, let, let alone a blowout. I don't, I don't really – I'm not sure we blow Toledo out. If we did, I think maybe the quarterback, you know, he hasn't seen our team speed on defense. I don't believe you can simulate that from what he's seen. And I don't think Toledo has the athletes on defense to hold us. But, God, you know, with our quarterback play and offensive line, I don't have a ton of confidence in our offenses either, though. I mean, our offense is – it's very mediocre at best. I think there's an issue, and what bothers me is I, I do think of, the, of one of the callers stated it does fall on coaching because all these other schools have young kids that are stepping in. You mean to tell me that we're the only school that had recruits a bunch of immature quarterbacks? I mean, no. if that's the case. No, no, because, that, because you've you know? got kids stepping in at other positions. I mean, look at the tight ends, you know, sure. for example. I mean, look at the cornerbacks. Sure. DJ Ivy's playing a ton. Sure, no, I agree. I mean, well, they're not afraid to put a true freshman out on the field, but but that doesn't mean they're all ready. And I'm not saying right. I believe, and I, I'm with you. I believe Rick. He, he sees these guys every day. I believe he's more qualified than I am. He's seen them every day. But that scares me when you're telling me that Rose Rozier is our best quarterback. I mean, the best thing about him is he's a really tough kid. I, I will say this about Rozier is a tough kid. I've seen that kid take some shots, and he keeps coming back in the game. And I have to respect the kid for it. But he's erratic at best. He's, he's inefficient. We can't move the ball on third down, which, listen, if you can't convert on third downs, you're not a good football team. That's the bottom line. And we may run up a record this year. You know, we may get nine, ten wins and beat these teams because, let's face it, I mean, Virginia Tech, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't really uber impressed with Virginia Tech though they beat Florida State. I, I wasn't. I mean, Florida State's defense did everything they could to keep them in. Their offensive line was about as bad as ours. You know, so we got those two teams that we have left on our schedule that we should beat. I mean, that we could beat potentially. You know, I mean, I'm imagining we might be favored. Maybe not in Blacksburg. I'm not sure. But again, it'd be like last year. Okay, we go ahead and run this, and we'll run into it in the Clemson again. We're going to get shellacked by a Clemson team. It'd be ugly. Even with Kelly Bryant, a quarterback, we get pounded again. This team is not ready. The quarterback play is horrendous, and I find it hard to believe that this Perry kid. He's been in the program for what now? Two years. This is the second. Better? Is the second year, right? Well, I mean, now wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Let's not say he didn't get better. I mean, they put him in the game the other day, and I know it was Savannah State, but there really wasn't mm-hmm. any major issues with how he handled himself. He he threw some nice passes. He had a couple touchdowns. I mean, there was nothing wrong with what Nikosi Perry did out there. He had the one bad bad play, but Mark Rick took the blame for that. And like you know. Sure. There was nothing wrong with what he showed us the other day. And I'm not saying there was, but I'm saying the fact that this kid is not playing, he shows me there obviously is. If you think that Rose is your best chance to win, best chance to win that, that's, that's scary in itself. I mean, honestly, I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I hate to rip on this kid, but, man, he is, I mean, he's just all over the place. 
it just tells you the coach really? doesn't feel the other guys are better yet. But like good. I said, it could change tomorrow. It could change tomorrow. I think it's. I think it's right. I think he's right on the ragged edge. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has another loss left. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I, 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 I don't see Mark Rick watching this season go down the tubes in losses without making a change. I don't. I, I would be stunned if that happened. No, I, I would agree with you. I, I would think you would make that change. But I think this Toledo game is a little more scary than people think. I've seen teams come in here and play. I remember one couple years back. Pittsburgh came in here just like us, overrated as can be. They brought Pittsburgh in with Fitzgerald as a senior, and Toledo just absolutely blew, blew them out. I mean, blew, blew them out of the stadium. You know, beat that team. And no, they're 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 you know, a real competitive football team, and I think it's great. I I, I think well, I do. you don't. You know, how are they going to get better if they don't go play this ga- a game like this? I mean, they I, they, I, they I should beat Toledo. They should. No, we but, should beat Toledo. The average. You're but at least right. they'll we be tested. Be at least they'll be tested a little bit. I think so. I think I think it's gutsy to take that kind of game, a home and home with the Toledo. I mean, because Toledo is probably the premier program in the MAC, and to come into that stadium and play them, I I, I kind of think that's kind of gutsy. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah, wrong I don't know if they I were the premier team though. Were they the premier team in 2010 when the deal was done? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, Toledo over the last, over the last few years, I, I think over the stretch, you know, last 2013, Toledo has been the premier team. Marshall had a little flip, or Marshall was good when they had Randy Moss and Pennington coming through that conference. But, I mean, through the stretch, Toledo's really had some excellent football teams. Yeah, but they Toledo signed this contract in 2010. Back. The contract was signed yeah, in 2010. Yeah, so, Toledo I don't know. I don't, yeah, Toledo, yeah. very, very seldomly is Toledo down. Very seldom. That's a good football team. I mean, from mid-major, that's a good football team. It's an underrated program. All right, what else I you got for us? It, you got anything else for us tonight? Yeah, I just I just hope myself that uh, you know we can get our offensive uh, situation down. I, I think by the end of the year they should be a little bit better. I think really that's the problem. I mean, we have to be able to run the ball. I mean, we're in too many predictable situations, like our offensive linemen stated earlier. That's a huge problem. We're in so many predictable situations that these teams with good athletes they're going to send the pressure, and unfortunately, we haven't been able to deal with it. Yep, no doubt. All right, well, hey, thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call again next week. Absolutely. You, you got it, man. Thank you. All right, let's go to the 352. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? Kane 38. Hey, what's up, 38? Talk to us. Hey, Gary, I have a question for you. Now, I keep hearing you saying that minor players are never ready to play. Okay. You got teams like hold – I up, said hold some up. are, some are, and some aren't. I didn't say minor okay. players aren't. Okay, I said some aren't, some aren't. Miami if plays. Hey, just let me know. let me qualify one thing, and then you can continue. Miami plays as many freshmen probably as anybody in the country. Okay. They're not afraid to put freshmen out there. Okay, but when, but when we name certain players, you say you don't think they're ready. But okay, you got sample players. Sample probably got one or two star players, and guess what? They almost beat Florida State. Well, one and two star players, Gary. Florida State riddled with four and five star players. So you tell me what the problem is, Gary. Please explain that to me. At Florida State, I, I, I think Willie Taggart is going to be a train wreck at Florida State. And I think Florida State is, is about to go through what Miami went through. And that's an extended period of mediocrity. That's what I think. Oh, yeah. I knew he was overrated anyway. When they hired him, I'm like, Willie Taggart has done nothing. He has done. We're a tech coach Ma- at USL. Mario's coached. Mario's coached. Mario Cristobal's coached two games at Oregon, and they're already yelling and screaming out there about how much they upgraded their head coach. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
you know, what my thing is, we got to start making excuses for Mar Rick. When you got teams like Sanford and teams like Appalachian State, Appalachian State should have beat Penn State. So it, you can't sit here and tell me that, that Appalachian State has four or five star players on the team like Penn State does. See, that's the part that, that, that really starts to irritate me, you know, when I keep hearing about certain players not really. Well, put, put them on the field and see what you got. They can't do no worse than what you got on the field now. You never know until you play them, Gary, just like with Perry. You never know until you play them. And I'm going to tell you a coach who would do that, too, back in the day, Steve Spurrier. He, what was Danny Waffle the, the starting quarterback in the day? He was a terrible he was a terrible practice player. But guess what? When the lights came on in the big game, he always performed. You never know, Gary, until you put that play out there, throw him in the fire and see what you got. That's the only way you're going to know. You can't keep, you can't hold him on the on the sideline and say, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. You can't keep waiting. Time is gonna pass you by. You got to put him on the field and see what you got. That's like if you got a race car, Gary, you think you got the fastest car in the world. Okay, well, put it beside somebody and then let me know what you got. Put it out there and show me it's the fastest thing in the world. Same thing with Florida State. But do you do it? But if you're Steve Steve Spurrier or Mark Rick, do you do it if you don't believe in what you're doing? Like, you know, and and then, like, do you put the Cozy Perry out there as a starting quarterback if you don't believe in it? And then you go and let's let's say you lose to Florida State in a few weeks or whatever. And now, I mean, everyone, you think everyone who is, everyone's going to forget that that's what they wanted him to do. And, and it's just going to be that they lost to Florida State. I mean, a coach has to do what he thinks is going to give his team the best chance to win. And but, I think that's Gary, what we're doing. But, Gary, you lost four games in a row. You lost four games. How much longer are you going to sit back and keep waiting to put them out in game before they go? I don't think he's going to sit back much wait? longer. I don't think much longer. I agree. I don't think he's. Okay, I don't think. I don't think Malik has more has another loss in him to keep that job. The girl, let me put it to you like right here, girl. Say for instance, if we had to play Virginia Tech right after LSU, and he and he want to start the field up again, what are you going to do now? You lost five games in a row. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do? You going to keep on looking the game for? You going to keep on there for another game and lose another game? I think you got to try you something different at that point. You got to try something you different at that point. Change, but now, but you but, but this is a different. But wait, this is a different situation. Okay, remember they went through a whole spring, they went through a whole fall. Mark Rick said the quarterback competition is open. Okay, he said it was open, and I don't think he was full of baloney. Like I think he really considered it open. They lost three straight games to end the year last year. I think he goes into spring practice. He would love for one of these guys to be better than Malik, in my opinion. I can't imagine that's not how he felt, but I keep saying the same really? thing. He, he can't manufacture it. It's got to be real. I understand. I understand, Gary, but what is Malik doing? Malik is, Malik is losing games, Gary. You can't. Listen, you want to be fair. If, let's be fair and honest. You can't blame that entire LSU loss on Malik. That wasn't just Malik. That was the whole yeah, football team. Yeah. That was the whole team, the defense. So, I mean, I would blame Javante Dean way more than I would blame Malik. I mean, Malik. I, I, I see what you're saying, Gary. I see exactly what you're saying. But I tell you what, in those four losses we had, I guarantee you, had we had a, a, a third quarterback in all those four games, I guarantee we win those games because you had guys wide open on the field that he missed. And here's another thing. Then this, this is why I get a defensive pass. Gary, they're on the field, 
85% of the game. The offense is three and out. Hell, every time you're going to get tired, you're going to get worn out, you're going to miss tackles. You, you, you know, you're tired. You're worn out because you're on the field. Not a percent of the game because the offense is three and out, three and out, or, or Malik's throwing interceptions. You, you, the defense is tired. Right, that, they what you're saying, what you're saying is not is not really true. Uh, I'm looking at the at the stats right now. The possession time, it wasn't e- equal, but it was close. It was, LSU had the ball 31-49. Miami had the ball 28-11. In the first quarter, it was almost it was identical. In the second quarter, when LSU took control of the game, they did have the ball more. They had the ball for nine minutes and 44. In the third quarter, Miami started doing a little bit better. Miami had the ball for 9.46. So, you know, I don't know. But I would, I would, I'll say this here too, there on the defense. Just, uh, Dean, I see why Alabama kind of backed off of him because he, he, he is terrible. Dean, Dean is terrible. terrible. And Robert Noah, Absolutely terrible. Robert Noah said, Robert Noah said, no, for a fourth-year kid to to be playing like that, I mean, yeah, that that was that was absolutely that that was horrific, and and you know, I I still think that Malik Rozier in that LSU game spent a lot of the night running for his life. I don't think he well, ever got yeah, into I'm, a rhythm. Back to Robert knows. Last year against Florida State, we ran in that game. He gave up two touchdowns in the end. Remember, Robert knows. He gives up yeah. two touchdowns towards the end. We, yep. we, we should have won that game handily. You know, we, we yeah, can never serve against Florida State with a true freshman quarterback. You know, he he, he gave up two touchdowns in the end. But yep. yet and still, he's still on the field playing, though. You know, yep. it, it, it bumped my mind, you know. Why Derrick Hall is not playing over him? I don't I don't understand that because Knowles is trash. He hasn't, he hasn't, he's not, he has not done anything to disprove that, that's for sure. I mean, I, I, he's I mean, a nice kid. But I, I mean, I, he hasn't done anything on nothing on the field, yeah. nothing on the field to disprove that. All right, what else you got for us? Anything else tonight? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really see the linebacker crew uh, progressing either. I mean, Jennings, I don't see him, I don't see him progressing. I mean, I think that was a reach with him at, at the same time. You know. It, it, yeah, well, like, what was he doing on the field in the first quarter? I'll never understand that. I will never understand that. I mean, how you could go out there against LSU and not have your starting linebackers on the field, I just – I'll never understand that. <laughs> I, I, you know, never. I like, I like Manny Diaz, but one thing is he blitzes entirely too much. You got to know – sometimes you can't blitz all the time. He likes to blitz a little bit too much for me. I mean, I, well, I love him. That's that's, that's, that's the way he's always been. Time. That's that that's been that's been his success, and that's been his failure as a coach. To be honest with you, and that was the reputation that he always had throughout his career. That he gambles and 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 you know, the, in the SEC, they they used to exploit it a lot. And and you know, I think the example was what I I guess it was the last caller I think that brought up that that play where they audibled. I mean, they, LSU was waiting for that blitz look, and they had a call that as soon as they got that look, and Jaquan Johnson was up at the line of scrimmage and out and not in the middle of the field, that they were going to audible to that play away from where he was lined up, and it worked perfectly. Now I'm sure it was aided by the fact that there wasn't a starting linebacker. Uh, on the field, and that the last line of defense was Robert Knowles. You, 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 you know, there is, you know, I keep, it starts at the top down. It starts with coaches. It, 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 you, you know, it starts with coaches. 
Hello, like Thomas Brown said, you got a lot of players loafing. Well, hell, if they're loafing, put them on the bench. If you got that loafing, put them on the bench and let some out for in that play. You know? If you, if you know the player is loafing, take them out of the game and put some out in the game. It's not fair to other players. People have busted their butt, but, you know, through the summer and everything, and, and, and to wait 10 months for that showing that they did last Sunday, no, that, that's uncalled for, Gary. It's not fair to the fans who had to pay their money for flights and for rooms and food and everything, and you put that crap on the field? No, that's yeah, not fair. There were a lot of people, man. There are a lot of people traveled to Dallas. I mean, what a turn, what a turnout, man. Yeah. I mean, anybody that says Miami doesn't travel that, I mean, that was some turnout that Miami put out in Dallas. So, so that's why people are pissed with Mar Rick, Gary. You got to understand, people spent a lot of their hard-earned money and, and, and waited for 10 months. We heard all the stories about, oh, yeah, Malik's um, doing this, he's doing that, he's looking better. The defense was like, his, like the old-style defense. And we see that shit against LSU. You're like, are you serious? We waited 10 months. We heard all these stories about this, and, and this is what you give us? 10 months. All these stories about everything looking, everything is on the rise, everything looking good, and we and we see this against LSU. I mean, come on, are you serious? Yeah. All right, man. Hey, let me let some other guys get on because we're we're running out of time here. uh, I don't care. I don't care what you say. That that, that's gonna hurt us in recruiting. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully there's better days ahead that will make people forget that. We'll see what happens. Give us a call next week. Good talking to you. Great call. All right. All right, let's go to the 786. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing? Doing great. Who's this? This is Kay Duncan, nurse from the University of Miami, on Dynamic Ways of Change uh, um, Substance Abuse Program. All righty. What's up, Duncan? What you got for us? <laughs> Listen, man, I like the way uh, a lot of callers called in and some things. Like, I didn't know, like, the former lineman he uh, said how – predictable the uh, scheme that we have and the unpredictability of uh, Mark Rick is not being shown. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at like when they do the RPO and they hand it off and the, and the uh, quarterback runs to the <laughs> parallel to the sideline and everything is just like vanilla. I understand this is the beginning of the season, but what do you think that he needs to do to bring the, the sauce to these different games? Because everybody's talking about getting better, but they face Toledo, and if any of this offense is on point, like how it is, we're in for a real game, like how FSU was with Sanford. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's not as ugly as that, because let me tell you something, FSU should have lost that game. Uh, I said it earlier in the show, the Sanford coach made one mistake. He he did a great job, but when he tried to throw the ball out on the perimeter across the field, and, and that that I can't remember which one it was, but the FSU defensive back cut in front of it and, and, and intercepted it, and man, that just that just took all the air out of that Sanford balloon, man. But uh, I hope this game this weekend's not like that. Uh, I'm looking at it like that. I mean, I'm also looking at why would a recruit who he's recruiting, uh, say, um, I forgot his name, who's going to uh, five-star going from Georgia. I mean, these kids are looking at schemes, and it's be 
beyond coaching. They're looking at schemes and how the coaches utilize players, not just putting a freshman in, but how do you utilize the freshman? Are you coaching them up to be better and be champ? Everybody wants to be a champion. And, you yeah, know, and they're being told that the SEC is better. They're being told, you, why would you turn down a chance to come play at Georgia in the SEC? And 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 then, you know, yeah, it doesn't help when you go and play LSU in Dallas and get blown out. I, I mean, right. yeah, I, I mean, that doesn't help the cause at all, no doubt. But this is what I'm saying. What, what, okay, I listen, we're only two games into the season. What I'm saying is this is the part where we lose those recruits because if this vanilla offense, play calling, coaching, and when I talk about coaching, I'm calling across the board. only person I see doing, like, the, the kick-ass coaching consistently is uh, Dugan because the, the kids are getting better, and you have a lot of surprise players like Wiggins getting better. You know, I know we have a new uh, Jess, Jess Simpson uh, who took over. I don't see many sacks. However, I mean, these kids are looking at why would I come here if – they can't win and they can't adjust and can't make adjustments to win these championships and in uh, 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 an area like Miami. We can't ride on what we used to have. We got to ride on what we have. And Mark Rick, he's a good coach. I think he should be a youth pastor also. But as far as coach, he needs to get the right people on point. You have three offensive coordinators that you're paying not to offensive coordinate. <laughs> I, uh, no, it's just two. <laughs> but that's funny. I've never, I've never heard it quite put that way. <laughs> I'm telling you now. Thomas, nobody's saying it, but I'm going to say it. Thomas Brown is not an offensive coordinator. You have you kept you gave Dugan's offensive coordinator because you didn't want him to go, and you got yourself, and you shouldn't be offensive coordinator. Hey, oh yeah, you got the quarterback coach. I know everybody talked about this, but if he's a good quarterback coach, it's been shown, it's been done. i never seen no one make adjustments, come up, talk, blah, 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 point out who's coming, who's doing. I don't see that type of coaching. thing is not each game we could lose one to three recruits based on your coaching. So that's, that's what that's, – I, I just want to say that in a nutshell. I'll let other people talk. But I just, you know, every time I call, this is my second time calling, I just wanted to point out that we're utilizing things that are not being utilized. And I think everybody sees it, and everybody's giving Mark Rick the pass because, hey, he's Mark Rick. He's a premier coach. But Mark I don't Rick, think anybody's so giving him a pass. <laughs> I don't hear passes going on in there, out there. Well, I mean, we're the, we're, 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 I mean, for the most part, I mean, I read uh, Uncle Luke's uh, article at News Times, and he called him out big time. And I agree with him. Um, I think uh, that was a true assessment of what he's doing with this program. You know, his coaching, his style, his staff is all made up for Mark Rick to be comfortable and his coaches to go home to their wives and uh, everybody be with their families and they could coach at a certain time. All that crap. Hold up. We need the diggy down 83, 89, 91 coaching staff. That everybody, the person, just like he coaches anyone who should, uh, anybody who um, is good enough to be on the field, anybody who can coach need to coach. 
And if it can't go on for the coaching staff, it's not going to happen on the field. I'm going to let you All right, man. Thanks for calling. Give us a call again next week. Let's go to the uh, 239. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? Hey, Gary. This is Joe from Fort Myers. What's up, Joe? Talk to us. What you got? I want to talk about uh, special teams, the third of the game. And, um, you know, we, we were we were blessed by having Badge and um, the uh, our punter, who both are in the NFL. But um, I don't know. Is, do you think Carly is biting off too much he can do, you know, having the tight end responsibility as well as the complete special teams? You know, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, if, if, if you're making the argument that the special teams aren't, don't seem like they're as good as they should be. Uh, I mean, I think that's a fair debate. Uh, you know, C- Coach Hartley, it's, it's hard to criticize a man. Like, I mean, the guy, the guy works his butt off. He recruits like an absolute maniac. He's, he's doing an, an amazing job up there in the Jacksonville area. Has as mu- so much passion for what he's doing. I think he's doing a phenomenal job coaching the tight ends. I mean, for to bring in two true freshmen like this and then get them ready to go on by opening day is, is just an amazing accomplishment for a coach. So I have a hard time really criticizing coach Hartley at all. Uh, now, is he a veteran experienced special teams coach? No, he's not. And I know he's passionate about it. I know he puts a lot of time into it and and, in in scheming it up and and, and trying to figure out what they can do to to, to get things to work well. Uh, But but if you if if somebody wanted to make the argument that that's an area of the game where Miami seems to be underachieving a little bit, I, I mean, I would agree. I think they can be better across the board on special teams. So but I'm not convinced at this point that that cannot happen under Coach Hartley. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Coach Hartley. Recruiting, I mean, I love the guy. All the kids, you know, speak very highly. It's not of just him. recruiting. I mean, look how he got the kids ready to play. I mean, he's doing it more than just than just recruiting. He's got, you know, he's okay. getting, he's getting, and, and and even the, the, the last couple of years with Najoku and Herndon, I mean, he did a great job with those guys. True, true. Maybe with the tight ends, but special teams, you know, we don't really have a threat taking it to the house. Um, you know, the field, the field position has always been lopsided, you know, not always, but just recently, especially in the LSU game, it just seems like special team is like uh, an afterthought. Oh, by the way, we got a punt. Oh, we got to, you know, we got to recover the punt. If it yeah, I don't know, man. Out, Maybe uh, they need, do need to work on it hard, more in practice. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer, but I would agree with you that it's not as good as maybe it should be or could be. All right, and then uh, so we'll, we'll move on. Um, now, a lot of people have been criticizing the vanilla offense. The last caller mentioned the vanilla offense. Uh, the, the, your, your special guest alignment mentioned the lack of creativity, um, you know, and just the consi- everybody knows what we're going to do. And do you think, you know, because Toledo, Toledo don't have many, you know, five-star people, but yet they have that, that you called it, uh, I forgot what, a scheme. You know, you didn't call it, you called it a system. That they have a system. Well, you know, you really got to call a system to what your strengths and weaknesses are. And um, I think we, we're a tad bit stubborn at times in the play calling where we're, we're so predictable that, you know, they, they yeah, put it in the not, box. And, 
I mean, let's let's look at what we've seen so far this year. All right, LSU uh, totally dominated the line of scrimmage. Uh, Malik Rozier is running for his life most of the night. When he wasn't running for his life, he underachieved and was missing receivers. Okay, no problem. The other night, you saw a huge variety of offense, all different types of plays, passes to the tight ends, passes to the backs, all different receivers making plays, passes down the field to Jeff Thomas. You know, I mean, you saw a whole assortment of stuff last week. and I mean, I don't think he emptied the playbook, nor should he have against Savannah State. But, you know, I, I think we saw a lot of variety. So I don't know. I don't know if that's really a fair argument either. But Okay. Well, that's fine. And lastly, I do want to give props to, to you know, um, Coach Rick, Mark Rick. Uh, if you would have told me, you know, uh, when he first got the job that, hey, listen, in two years you're going to win – you know, the coastal, I would have took it hands down. You know, it, it is a work in progress. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you is with the amount of, of transfers that we had and people leaving, um, you know, not fulfilling their, their you know, their senior year um, compared to other schools, you know, not, not only inheriting uh, not the best team, you know, the golden team, but I think we lost a couple of key components that we did have, you know, Gust of Us and, and, and a couple of linemen. So do we have a comparison of what other teams, I don't follow any other teams, but, but, but the Canes. I don't. But that I do not, I but, I, but I think it's thing. huge, 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 huge that those guys left early. Gust of Us, yeah. Uh, even Norton and McIntosh, even though they weren't high draft picks, I mean, what a, what a gaping hole that's left in the middle of the defense here right now in terms of depth. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, hopefully this Nesta Silvera kid can keep his head on straight and keep coming and keep coming because I think they, they need him as the year goes on. And, uh, you know, like I said, I have not been impressed with what Bethel's been doing. I haven't been impressed with what Ford's doing. So if they could get this kid to, to, to take the next step, that would be great. Uh, but it does make a big difference when your senior uh, experienced guys leave a year early. I mean, how much better would the O-line be if Casey McDermott was back this year? It wasn't his fault that they blew his red shirt his first year, but you know, right. personnel management guys leaving early, it all has an impact. Right, right. All right, man. Well, keep up. All the right, man. Work. I appreciate yep. it. Thanks man. for being, thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the uh, seven, eight, six. You're on Kane sport live. You there? Seven, eight, six going once going twice. All right. We'll get you next week. Let's go to the two, one, four. You're on Kane sport live. <laughs> 214, you with us? I hear somebody singing in the background. All right, next week. Let's go to the uh, 404. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? It's Oki. Hey, what's up, Oki? What you got, man? Sound kind of tired this week. Uh, a little exhausted. But, All right, well, talk to us, talk no, to us quick, and we'll let you go take a nap. Uh, I'm going to um, piggyback off of one of the last calls I was talking about, and that's uh, basically impression, impressionment of, uh, you know, trying to sell recruits. And one thing I noticed is that, you know, a lot of these schools, you know, they come down here, they get certain players, and a lot of times they ain't even really getting a lot of about four or five-star players. You, know, you look at a guy like Leakin Rowley, one of his best uh, utility players he got on offense right now is a kid from Broward. And one thing I worry about, you know, you know, I just 
as the season goes move forward, we got to show some type of improvement because what what those coaches are going to be telling certain players here, Miami got all these four-star players on offense, four-star, five-star players on offense, and some on defense. And they not even utilizing the talent. And you got programs like Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State that maybe get one or two, three players from this area, and they can showcase them in their offense or in their defense. And we got a roster full of full of them, and we can't even, and we're not showing no type of development. At none of this, out of some of these kids, and we keep talking about them not being ready. That's not good. That's not good. And it's not good that our coaches keep announcing that in interviews that they're not ready. They're not ready. When are they going to be ready? And no, Gary, I, they're not really saying yeah, that. Gary, Gary, listen, they're, they're, they're not saying in press conferences and it, that somebody's and it's funny not ready. That you can make a comment and say that Willie Taggart is going to be the next Al Golden after two games. But it's just my opinion about about Willie. It's my opinion about Willie Taggart. But but, I I mean, I've three years. But after three years with Mark Rick, or going into three years with Mark Rick, you've had forward progression, Uki. Uki, listen. I mean, you've had two years of forward progression. Gary, like I was saying, uh, Uki, you won the coastal last year. You played for the ACC championship, and you went to the Orange Bowl. That was last year. So if you come on, man. That's if forward progress. This year, then if you regress, you haven't year, regressed yet. You only lost one game. <laughs> okay. You haven't regressed. <laughs> you lost one you non-conference game. You haven't regressed anything. So it doesn't matter. So it doesn't, there's yeah, a whole yeah. season ahead here. We don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Okay. Come on, man. Okay, but that that one that, was that a team that looked like they wasn't prepared. Game. No, they were horrendous. But that doesn't mean they're going to be okay. horrendous. Um, you know, this okay. week against Toledo, okay, yeah. next week against FIU, the week after that against North yeah, Carolina, right. right and then hopefully right. they go right four and that. one into Florida State, and they beat the daylights out of them, and now they're five and one, and probably pretty close to back in the top ten again. It's like, come on, man, like that can easily happen. Like easily could happen, just like that. Like I said, we're gonna see. We're gonna see if Correct. all that transpires, like you, like you said. Well, but we're gonna see. At the end of that, at the end of the day, coaching is still a problem with the program. Whether you want to well, admit we'll it see. or not, it's still a program. No, I I, mean, I don't have an opinion on that. We'll see. And then the fact I thought co- I thought I thought coaching was a no, big factor. No, and then the, the fact that you would sit there and try to downplay the, no. the special teams coaching, the special teams coaching. Special I'm not downplaying hard, it at all. I said I, I I just said that I think that's an area of the game where they can be better. I'm not blaming it on Coach Hartley. Why are you not blaming it on – is he the special teams coach? Isn't he the special no, teams coach? he is. He is. And, okay, and, so, but so, I'm so not we, ready to say that they're underachieving on special teams because of him. Okay, I'm just – you know, word, the, guy's doing, the, guy's do, the guy's doing such a good job in every other he's area of his responsibility. He's doing, he's doing a great job with the tight ends. He's doing a great job recruiting, okay, not just tight ends, but the entire teams, Jacksonville about, area. Okay, Gary. <laughs> Bye, there's, Gary. There's an elite, there's an elite defensive back there this, that that he's got it coming up that he's got a great chance to get next year. You know, he's doing a great job in 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 Jacksonville as a recruiter. He's doing a great job recruiting tight ends, and he's doing a great job coaching tight ends. And you know, I agreed with the caller that the special teams should be better, and I agree. But I'm not ready to blame it on him. 
I mean, hopefully he's doing some things to try to make it better. You still with us, or did you disappear? All right, Uki, I think you're gone. I don't know. I, you, you disappeared on us, so um, we'll uh, we'll do we'll do it again with you next week. All right, let's go to the uh, go to the nine five four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. You with us? Going Hello? once. Yeah, that's you. Hello. Who's this? Hey there, how's it going? Doing good. Who's this? Oh, this is Jay. Hey, what's up, Jay? What you got for us? Hey, how's it going? Sorry about that. Yeah, your little uh, buzzer's not really... I couldn't hear it, so sorry. Um, not quick. Uh, oh, man, what a train wreck that last guy is. I can't even read his stuff on the board, but um, <laughs> a few points I want to make. First off, special teams. It is, I think the people are calling it. Special teams, is, it's always about kick return. Yeah, our kick return is terrible, honestly. But if you look at our coverage teams, I mean, Travis Homer's probably the best gunner in the ACC, if not one of the best in the country last year. On our punt team, our coverage teams are much improved over what Al Golden was. Our punt return team is actually really good. Um, yeah, we have a young kicker and we have a young punter that are inconsistent. That's not on the special teams coach. The guy's not sitting there teaching these kids how to drop a ball and sweat. Todd Hartley doesn't know how to do that, just like you and I don't know how to do that. You know, <laughs> That's not a 4K. That's more of a specialty, and you rely on guys that know how to you know, great kids and see what you see with your, with your eye, you know, what kind of light do they have and how does it work? And hopefully they gain consistency. I mean, back's his first tick. The kid looked like his heart was in his throat and he knocked it right down the middle, you know, second one he yanked and so be it. It happens, you know, it's going to be a work in progress with, with the kickers, but as far as special teams go, I mean, kick return should improve. I don't know if Jess Thomas is a great kick returner, uh, I think DJ's got a little more wiggle, and I'd love to see Pope back there. You know, from what I've seen on his high school tape, I mean, that kid's got great wiggle, or even Friarson. Friarson was a hell of a returner in high school, too. So, you know, maybe try something new, but, I mean, that's about the only thing you can criticize Hartley on. Yeah, I mean, return. maybe Jeff Thomas isn't the best guy. Who knows? Like, you, you might be right. Maybe he's not the best guy to be right. returning the kicks. So, you know, we'll see. We'll, that's, you know, that's at least our worries right now. I'll be honest with you. The, I mean, I'm I'm on the Rosier's got to go train. I, I think I can speak about two or three things why. There were a couple plays against LSU. Yeah, he was running for his life. And a lot of that was because of running back blitz pickup. You know, when Trayon Gray was in the – why was Trayon Gray in the game? So, you know, I, I don't understand that. Um, as a single back, you know, he, this guy's rarely been in games. He he let a blitzer go right by him in the A-gap. Uh, and the defensive line wasn't dominating our pass blocking in that game. So much so for the, no, the pass blocking the wasn't bad as by the lineman. You're right. There was it was the blitzes. It was blitz pickup. It was the it blitzes. Was recognition. It was yep. Mike Harley pointing to a blitzer off the left side. The guy that beat uh, St. Louis, I think it was in the third quarter. He could have hit him on a hot route for a good seven to ten yards. Instead, he's just standing back there taking a normal three to five step drop, and Harley has to run his you know eight to ten yard cross and not even get a look, and and Rozier gets hammered. So there's just a lot of breakdown with Rozier. I don't know if it's mental. I don't. I mean, the kid's a 44 to 50 percent thrower. I mean, that's what he is. The the Pittsburgh game. How many times did he overthrow Richards? He had wide open. I mean, there were three or four plays that game that could have easily changed that game. And Miami wins 31 to 10 type of thing. But you kept Pittsburgh in a the game. They got momentum. There was about 30,000 people in the stadium. If that it was the day after Thanksgiving, it was just it felt like it was a sleepwalk. You know, and we all saw it coming as a new start. The Clemson game, Clemson goes right down the field. What happens in the third, second third play of the game? Jeff Thomas has 20 yards on the guy downfield, and Rozier underscores it by 15, 15 yards. And he's interfered with, and the rest didn't call it. I mean, you make that play, it might be a different game. I mean, are we as good as Clemson? Absolutely not. I mean, Christian Wilkins made about 13 plays that game that I could remember counting off the top right. of my head. But that's also why everything matters. 
you're not as good as them sure. and everything matters and what Absolutely. you're talking about matters. Yeah, everything yeah. matters. Everything yep. matters. And so that's one thing. And then you go to Wisconsin. Start slow. John, you know, the, I forget the guy's name, Taylor, I think. The right. He, he had a few pretty nice carries the first drive, started establishing. And then all of a sudden you gain huge momentum. You're 14 to 3 with the ball, and he throws a damn interception on a bubble screen. That, I mean, that's just uncalled for. To alignment. He couldn't even throw it over the guy's head. Or back himself up enough to get it out to the to the bubble. And that 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 play changed the whole game. So yeah, that's on Rosier too. You know, coming into this year, is Perry ready? I I don't know. We're not at practice. I have no idea. You know, but is the kid more talented than Rozier? Absolutely. You see it, I see it. Does he have is he quicker? Yes. Can he run? Yes. Does he throw a better ball? Yes. Does he have a better arm? Yes. You know, that's not what quarterback play is though. I think that's what gets like look at Ryan Leaf. Was Ryan Leaf a more uh with my, a more blessed passer than Peyton Manning coming out, I guess I would say. I mean, if you watched her film, Ryan Leaf had a howitzer, I guarantee you, at the Combine, just like watching him in the Rose Bowl, and compared to Manning. And Manning was Manning has Manning threw ducks his entire career, but guess what? The accuracy and the anticipation was second to none. He was the best at that of all time, and he probably will always be the best at that. And that's what got the guy into the Hall of Fame and set all the records. So quarterback play isn't just about having a howitzer or, or you know the physical tools. You have to have the mental game down you have to have the anticipation down you have to be willing to study and you have to play the position as it's called for and that's where i follow that so hopefully perry can overtake him because are we limited with rosier 100 percent. i mean the, the guy missed a million wide open receivers against lsu and lsu is supposed to have a pretty solid secondary i mean our guys are beating guys left and right it's just it is frustrating to watch as a fan but i mean look mark rick's here he's making four plus million dollars he stabilized our program first and foremost. I mean, we were a train wreck, no indoor facility. He's changed the donation pattern tenfold from the Hurricane yep. Club to the Golden Canes to that. That goes. On yeah, that's what I was telling you. You can't you can't argue so, that there hasn't been forward progression. There has been. So, hundred you know. percent. You know, is he the coach that's going to get us there? I don't know. You know, do I we'll have see. faith that he can? Of course I do. Do I think it's realistic? Yes. Am I? You know, would I bet my mortgage on? Hell no. You know, the guy had 15 years at Georgia, and he lost to a lot of inferior teams at Georgia. So that's just how it goes. But, yeah. look, he's, he's improved us. And you're right, too. One thing I want to say real quick, too, is the guys leaving early. I mean, it, this team gets hammered with more bad decisions than anybody. I mean, it's not just yep. the linemen. It was killer. Brad Kaya last year. You, you, Brad Kaya goes 11-0 in the, in the Regular season. Do we beat Clemson? Probably not. Would we beat Wisconsin in the Orange? Hell yeah, we'd beat Wisconsin in the Orange Bowl. If you're 14-3, he's not throwing that stupid interception. And last season, honestly, was a mirage in a lot of ways. You know, you had the, the two games that everyone walks back on. Oh, the Virginia Tech and Notre Dame game. You know, that was a perfect storm to Notre Dame game. The Virginia Tech game, Miami had four turnovers. We were lucky to win that game. I mean, Grant, the score was 28-10. to But how many bad plays did Rozier make? And how many Silly mistakes did Virginia Tech make in scoring position. They had a bunch of those short, you know, third and fourth downs where two jet motions that the snap, if you remember, hit the guys in motion twice. And uh, Jaquan Johnson's one-handed interception, I mean, Savoy was wide open for a first down. And, yeah, great, we had some pressure on the quarterback, and he overthrew him. But, you know, it, it was a live-and-die defense. And then it just seemed like after Notre Dame, I mean, that that's what the season was geared toward. That was our Super Bowl. And – Granted, hey, it was awesome, and look, Miami had a turnover chain. We looked good doing a lot of things, even though the scores weren't great. The kid's going, and that's what recruiting is all about today. It's, it's a popularity contest. It's, 
you know, who looks good, who's the flavor of the month, and we were that, and hopefully we can keep that momentum. Other than that, I mean, all you can ask for is the coaches to win games. And, you know, with Rozier, we're going to be limited, and games are going to be tight. And, you know, my hope, and I think everyone's hope is maybe number five takes advantage at some opera. He's got all the opportunity in the world. Hopefully he can take advantage of it sooner or later and uh, make it work. And I mean, that's all right, all man, hey, let me, I got I to cut you off because I got a few guys I got to try to get on here before sure. the show ends, but uh, give us a call next week yeah. and you can continue. Sure all right. Hey, thanks for being part of it. Let's go to the 706. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing? This is Sebastian. How are you? What's up, Sebastian? Talk quick. What you got? Hey, man, real, real quick. I just want to tell you a couple of things. Um, could you tell me the progress of Gervinal Hall? I mean, it seems like we kind of struggling in a safety position. Um, no, we, you're not struggling at safety. Just... Jaquan, you're struggling at backup safety. Uh, Gervin's competing. and Yeah, Gervin's competing, and I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this year he passed Robert Knowles on the depth chart. Okay. The other thing I wanted to say is Amari um, Carter has been playing real well, and I just don't understand yep. why he wasn't getting a lot of burn against the LSU game when we went to uh, that substitution. Is there any reason I, for that? Yeah. No, I don't know. Okay. So but a couple that, things on well. A couple points. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Amari's – I would say Amari's running second team with Knowles. Gervin Hall's right there behind them. And, you know, I, I do think that at some point this year you you could see Gervin Hall shoot past Knowles. Okay. Okay, I wanted to talk to you about the defensive line. I'm kind of concerned. We lost Russo. It looks like we may have lost him for the season. Is there any chance that we can go ahead and slide Bethel over to defensive end and put Nelson Severa at defensive tackle? Because he's yeah, really I think good. I, I think if they have another injury, that there's a great chance of that happening. Okay, the last that, you know that he'll you to yeah that he would become available to do that. Because he looked real good at D tackle too, and we're gonna just gonna need him uh, as we progress uh, throughout the season. The last, uh, talk to me about the recruiting that took place last year with Kedron, Kedron Smith. We were holding out for those two five stars, both uh, Patrick Sertain and Tyson. Uh, I forgot his last name, Campbell, and we missed yep. out on both of them. Why didn't we offer that kid a scholarship? He was the kid at Oakbridge, right? At, at Oxbridge. Yeah, at Oakbridge. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because they, we, you know, he came down to the camps in the summer. They liked him. They were, you know, they were keeping him, uh, you know, as like a plan B. I guess at the end of the day, they decided not to pull the trigger on him. They felt like they had better guys. So this is what I want to talk about before you cut me off. That is the problem that I have in Miami when it comes to recruiting. I don't like when we we these kids kind of string them string us along, and we miss out on a talent like that. Because, believe it or not, I kind of feel like well, that's that cornerback that we were short on. I mean, I, I hate that Malik Young got hurt, but, you know. Yeah, but they could the have still that... gotten him. if they, they just didn't have a firm conviction on it, I think. You know, they could have still gotten him at the end. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. So, I, I wanted to kind of uh, – I came on the call a little bit late. I think it's going to be a close game against Toledo, but I think we're going to see a lot of players that's going to be able to play and kind of step up. And I don't know why this wouldn't be the week that we put Perry in the game and, uh, we'll, we'll and let him play substantially. We'll see. We'll see. How I it, just keep me on hold, Gary. You got and, it, man. Uh, Dave, we'll thanks for calling. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk to you next week. All right, I'm gonna try to fit uh, one more in here. Let's see. Let's go to the 803. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Glad you came to me. This is Eddie from South Carolina. What's oh. up, Eddie? Talk quick. Be safe in the storm, too. Real, real quick. Sunday night, I had a dream 
we were up 17. I know we're not supposed to look ahead, but we were up 17 against Florida State, and there's like 30 seconds left, and we throw an interception just so they have to put the backpack on. <laughs> and the whole stadium started laughing. <laughs> I like that. I just, just wanted to share that with K-Nation. All right, man, that was that was awesome. We're we're gonna, we're gonna go home on that one. That was great. We'll uh we'll talk to you maybe next week. That was awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah, just throw an interception on purpose just so they have to put the backup on the backpack rather. All right, guys. Hey, awesome show tonight. I want to thank everybody that called in. Uh, I thought we had a lot of really good opinions expressed, a lot of really good calls. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I want to thank Sicilian Oven, our great sponsor, um, for being part of the show once again. Uh, six locations throughout South Florida. Uh, give them a shot. I don't think you'll be upset. There's a reason why you hear all these former players and Bruce and everybody else say they keep going back and going back every week. It's because the food is that good. Um, so support Sicilian Oven. And we'll be back. We're going to head, in, head into Toledo. If you're in Toledo this weekend, say hello. Um, look, looking forward to, to the trip. Never been up to, to that area. So uh the glass bowl. We'll see what the glass bowl looks like. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday night to slice it and dice it all up. So uh, thank you again, everybody. And we'll, we'll see everybody next Tuesday night.